T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. My guy Colin Cowherd, this is a national voice with deep connections to USC and Caleb Williams making some pretty crazy, startling allegations about how he feels about Chicago and the Bears. I do think it's possible that Washington trades up and Chicago allows Washington to trade up because Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. I don't want to live in this world. I've come to talk with you again. Of that being our next three months. There's lots of precedent to still get a lot for the pick, if indeed it gets to that point. I don't want to consider those hypotheticals right now, man. I'm texting Cowherd right now. <laughs> Is Caleb really not going to come to the Bears? <laughs> I need to know. Uh, Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. I want to be clear to folks who are thinking about making that dangerous trek. Do not come. Do not come. Did he text you back? Uh, <sighs> go ahead. Let, let me Look. see. No, he is not. Here's a texter. I don't know Carl about. Carl has. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. What do we got for Just Carl? wait. Just wait. How long do I have to wait? I'm still. I'm talking to him right now. Just talking wait. All right. Wait. Good. Wait. Oh, Shane Danny is in constant. Relax <laughs> over there, brother. David's <laughs> <laughs> like he hasn't slept in weeks. He, well, he's not. He looks like he did when he was I, hung over at Circa. I'm on no sleep. No sleep. <laughs> you look a little stressed. Oh, I'm stressed. <laughs> and the vision that was planted in my brain. Going to be a bear. I'm not giving up on this. Right, right. right. But, oh, but no, that's this, the moment right there like, speaks. Oh, yeah, that's no. our moment. That's why I pivoted, Tanny. <laughs> He's going to be a bear. Yeah, I would say no. It's a hot mess. One, two, three. And here, here we go. go. Here we go. Here we go, Jeff. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Thank you for hanging out with Parkinson Spiegel on a Friday on the score. I, I think I'm a little bit more recovered. Yeah, and I think you're in a better place. I think so. I think the conversation was uh, helpful in transition. I think your uh, frantic evening of reaching out to anyone and everyone you know who has any connection to Colin Cowherd tangentially or otherwise. Yeah, or directly. <laughs> or, or directly. <laughs> Has uh, has helped you uh, a little bit, and I think I think sitting and talking with your guys, me and Tanny and Shane in the pre-show meeting, it always helps. Has reminded you that it's a feel-good Friday, Mister. Yeah, the weekend looms. Let's enjoy ourselves. I got to be honest, the walk back helped. 
Uh, the, the, the walk back from Colin today also helped. Oh, yeah, there's that. Uh, so Yeah, because you could take it as, uh, well, he was just completely full of crap and he was just throwing it out there to see what sticks on the wall. Now, a lot of people out there are taking it as that. Yeah, I mean, listen, te- I mean, text her right here. I think the reason you're harping on this so much is just because Danny knows Colin personally, whereas the rest of us are more used to taking what he says is questionable or just a means of getting attention. You can feel that way if you want to. Or you can listen to someone who knows the person involved a little bit. I've never even, act, to be totally honest, I've never even met the man in person. We've only talked on the phone a bunch of times and texted. But I also just know the industry really well, as does Speaks, as does Lawrence, as does Dan. And if we get told stuff, imagine what someone with his fame and platform gets told. Not to mention his long-standing connections mm-hmm. to that coach and that program at USC. So that's all out there. But let's hear what Colin Cowherd said today uh, to walk back the report that uh, sent me into meltdown mode yesterday. But I got a call yesterday from the Caleb Williams camp. By the way, he's got a very small camp. He doesn't have an entourage. He's got like an assistant for the NIL stuff, a marketing person. He he doesn't have a big camp. He has a dad, big personality, smart guy, strong opinions, does his homework. Caleb and his dad don't always agree, but he's got a very big personality as a father. So I got a call from the Caleb Williams camp, and they went, whoa, 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 Colin. We don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago and we don't want to be painted as anti-bear. And they, and they made it clear to me that they said, listen, we don't want to go to a city that doesn't care. Chicago cares. They're big, loud, they're passionate. They fire coaches all the time. They care. We don't want to go to some sunbelt place where you tarp off the upper deck. And they did say there is a path to succeed in Chicago. It's called the Houston Texans. Defensive coach, couple of weapons, cap space, good pick. Uh, you know, they, they mentioned they got a second pick. There's a bunch of good receivers out there. LSU, Washington, they could go get another weapon. And they already have one bona fide number one pick. But it does show you the reality of Caleb Williams. And I've got sympathy for the athlete. You know, the Caleb Williams camp is like, and I I wouldn't say, I'm, I, I've got people that are around the camp and around Caleb pretty well connected. Um, he does not want to be viewed as a villain. He doesn't want to be viewed as anti-Chicago. He actually likes the fact it's a big, loud town. They talked about Jordan and the Bulls. They care. They're into it. They got money. They're, they're, but it's this is the dilemma, and I absolutely will defend players. John Elway said, no, thanks. He was right. Eli Manning to the Chargers, not going. He was right. And I think Caleb Williams, deep down, privately, has real concerns about the Bears, His dad has a strong personality and isn't afraid to say it. But they called last night and said, we we do not want to be viewed as (laughs) anti-Chicago. We don't want to be a villain. There's an avenue that this works. It's the avenue of the Houston Texans. We're staying very positive. We have some good vibes here. And we want to be the number one pick. We'll keep updating you. I love the fact they reached out. I love the fact that Chicago's talking about it, going on a couple of Chicago radio stations today. And I love that. So my first thought is yesterday when Shane was texting with Carl Williams, Caleb's dad, and I said, you know, his next text is going to be to Colin Cowherd. (laughs) Because you broke the news of what Colin had said, I think, to Carl, sent him the clip, and now 
Then Carl reached out and said, uh, listen, Colin, my, we don't want to be viewed. So, I mean, that all sounds like a uh, pre-existing relationship that will continue between Colin Cowherd and Caleb Do Williams. You better Cam. start workshopping that Carl Williams impression before they come here. Actually, it's, it's as good as it could ever be because no one knows what he sounds like. No so idea what he sounds spot like. spot on from what I can speaks. tell. You know what I should do? I should, I should take it a little more to the extreme. I'm Carl Williams, and this is how I sound, and I talk like this, and... You know, why not? That could be him. You don't know. I have no idea what the man sounds like. Uh-huh. He could have a British accent. I have, I have no idea what he sounds like. I'll add some British. That's a good call. <laughs> there, there you go. You that That's a good use of your time. You, you, you keep working on your Carl Williams voice. Okay. Uh, it's just... But that sounds like a, a guy I, who still is... Who was connected and remains connected. Yeah, of course. It, it's not his first time talking about him. Or talking to them. Or having them talk to him. He's been in studio with him before. He's been on the sideline at USC. Uh-huh. He knows Lincoln Riley. He's been like, he's a USC guy. He loves college football. He's based out of LA. He, th- th- he is connected to them and their world. And so you can dismiss it. And he walks that back. And this has been clumsy. And I'm not saying this has been handled perfectly, but to dismiss it as, Colin is just throwing something against the wall for attention. It's not without any merit or substance behind it. And so now we have to ask some que- some questions about does that matter to us? Like let's let's go with the theory that I had at the end of transition that what Colin said there at the, on this one on the walk back after being able to say directly, I talked to him last night. Because on the first one he wasn't able to say that directly for whatever reason that he chose not to say it. Um, but he, he flat out said, I think deep down, right. Caleb does have a desire. Yep. And his hometown so, team is the number two pick. Even in the walk back, he said. Even that. in the walk back, he said it. So to, to, to dismiss this out of hand because of what Ian Rappaport said when he declared, which was he's open to going anywhere, which is great. And what Rappaport said on Twitter today in a response to... Aaron Lemming, which was, why would he be anti-Chicago if the Bears end up going QB at one? Great city, classic organization, played great at the end of the year, seems to be building a really solid foundation. Mm-hmm. We all agree. I think that Chicago's a better situation than Washington is. They have to convince Caleb of that. And that's where I think this is going to get uncomfortable for some people. I don't think this is going to be as smooth as, we have the number one pick, we will draft you. You have no power here. Caleb knows he has power. His hometown team picks, too. Maybe he doesn't even want to go to his hometown team. Maybe he wants to go somewhere else. Yeah, I think he has power, not because his hometown team picks, too. I think he has power because he's probably going to end up as an undisputed number one. Yep. In an era where college players have power and have shown more power and enjoyed it, and there's an expectation of it and a willingness to push against the system now for these college players who have successfully pushed against the system to the point that they can all enter the transfer portal whenever they want. They can all have endorsements that are called NIL deals. They can all, you know, be self-made people yep. and, and self-fulfilled, um, self-possessed professionals by the age of 21 and 22 with a feeling of deserving you know, respect and deserving representation. This is the world that they live in. So there's that expectation now. And if you're going to coach them 
and draft them. You can't exist under like the previous rules of the power disparity, which have been, frankly, good for the viewer, good for the fan. Part of what's happening in college football and the unrest is that it's no longer as good for the fan and the viewer because there's no continuity. You're not following people from year to year. You're rooting for laundry almost purely and exclusively. It's yep. why coaches are running. It's why some fans are upset. It's why Borzin, 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 Bernstein and Holmes talked to Ari Wasserman today. It was an interesting conversation about college football. The NFL has to deal with the empowered athlete now in a different way than it did even four years ago. So how would people feel if the 2017 reporting of those dinners when Mitch made the reservation under James McMahon and he showed up in the Camry and he impressed Ryan Pace and it was about Pace and Josh Lucas and John Fox asking Mitch a bunch of questions? And getting to know him, how would people feel if the reporting about Caleb Williams and the Bears was about half of it was us asking him questions and half of it was him asking us questions? I think that's where this is going. I think it is an empowered athlete who has money, who has been successful, who knows the leverage that he has, that knows that he can go number one, and doesn't want to be a villain, is mm-hmm. open to Chicago, likes that it's a big market, likes that people care, all that all that stuff that Colin said, but is smart enough to know, wait a minute, there never has been a good quarterback in the history of the Bears franchise. Why is that? Sure. I don't really know much about Matt Eberflus and the principal- or Shane Waldron. Like, sell me. Yeah, and the principal <laughs> difference between Mitch – and Deshaun and Pat Mahomes is that they were all in a position of hoping they could go three or two or one and get the biggest money that you could possibly get in the draft. Caleb, he's knows, going one. He knows he's going. He's one. going one. That's the power difference, the, which is a massive. Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith couldn't do it because there was a debate at who was going to go one. Andrew Luck didn't do it. Right, but there was a ton of talk about if he would. Privileged family, Oliver Luck, Stanford educated. There was a ton of talk about like if he would if he would do it. And if Andrew Luck had spent the previous three years making two to three million dollars a year and feeling the empowerment that comes with that that comes with it now for these guys, how different might that have been? This is the first consensus number one quarterback since then. Right. Or I guess Burrow, right? Burrow. Yeah, and Trevor Lawrence, but not in an era of NIL money. For, 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 for both of them, not in an era of NIL money. Um, and maybe a different personality type or a different infrastructure, like influence circle or who knows? Mm-hmm. It might not just be NIL. It could. He's an individual. He's clearly different. Like, clearly, right? Uh, for, for a number, both as a talent and, and as a personality. And we're trying to figure that out. But. I think that there's a chance that that's what's happening here and that he's going to have some good questions for them and they're going to have some good questions for him. And the crazy thing is I'm actually pretty comfortable that the bears are going to be able to answer those questions for him. Yeah. The bears are actually in a pretty damn good spot to answer those questions and say, our situation's pretty good actually. And and you believe that even though they have a defensive head coach. Yeah. yeah, Because like I've said many times on the air, like if I was Ryan poles, let's do it on the other side. Okay. Before we were at three, if I, if I was pitching Caleb, if if that was how it is, like instead of us 
interviewing him, he's got to interview us a little bit. I'd be very comfortable with my ability to compare this situation favorably compared to his peers' situation as the number one overall pick in recent history. It's next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Adam McKay. Honestly, always a pleasure. Big fan of the show. Afternoons on the score. What do you say we interview you? Uh, all right, yes, that's a uh, sometimes useful exercise. Please put your hand down. Go ahead. How much money do you make a year before taxes? Okay, I'm actually not comfortable answering that. Come on! We're doing the interview now, not you. Exactly. Topsy-turvy. Flip it on them. You start asking questions, they start asking questions, now you got the upper hand. Crisscross. Exactly. Like throw mama from the train. Evan! Evan! So... Let's say Caleb's empowered and he's got some questions and his camp has some questions about the Bears and he wants to be sure that they're going to do right by him. My argument, if I was Ryan Poles, would be every other number one pick that you can name has been drafted to a team that had the worst record in the NFL. Every single one. Everyone, no one has traded the pick at one for a quarterback Like after the fact. Like the Bears inherited this pick. Carolina traded up. But in terms of, like, this guy, this team is just sitting there. They, they were gifted it. You know, that they're not the worst team in the NFL. You could probably go back and find every number one quarterback that was picked, regardless of whether there were trades to get there or not. And compare what the Bears have as a roster and 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 the seat, it's it's probably right there at the top or near the top of the very best position in terms of a quality of team that a number one pick could go to. I think it's the best. I don't has has a number one pick quarterback gone to a team that the year prior 
won more than seven games. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. So we could go by win total that way. But I also find myself thinking about unique times in in sports where, like, the Spurs were real good but then sucked and went in the tank and got David Robbins, Robinson, Tim uh, Tim Duncan, to pair with David Robinson, right? Uh, no, of course. I mean, the, the, the so Col- if there's the been Col- a football corollary. The Colts. The Colts were winning, 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 winning. Peyton got hurt. They ended up being the worst team in the league, Andrew Luck. Yeah. And then got back to being good. So that's a, pr- that's a pretty damn good infrastructure, probably. Definitely. Without Peyton. But they were the worst team in the NFL by record when Peyton was hurt. And they were old. You know what I mean? There were some key guys on that team that, you know, Reggie Wayne that had been getting old with, mm-hmm. with Peyton Manning. Uh, so this is a seven-win team that is improving, that has an top ten pick right tackle, an in-his-prime Number one receiver, a top 10 pick that, hell, if Caleb wants, you could have some influence on it, but they could make the promise to him right now in the meeting, we will draft an offensive player at nine. They, they, they could they can make that. We're Coward, not Coward, t- Coward intimated that that is part of the sell. They, like, hey, by it, the way, at, at nine, yeah, we'll probably go get your receiver at nine, then you'll have two with DJ Moore. Yeah. Would that be fun? Or a left tackle or Brock Bowers. But we'll get you an offensive piece. Mm-hmm. And so that's but the, even that that right there having to say that to I get it your property text no see I, I know no I know but I'm th- not that's, comfortable with that I understand but that's the way it's been perceived your your player who you could own the rights to yes. for four to five years yeah you know like that's you have the upper hand and you do still you do still so you don't have to do some of that. You, I, it, I know it's a choice still, and yeah. that's what's going to make it uncomfortable for a lot of fans is that some of this will be sensible and you want somebody to be comfortable and to believe in you. And some of it is going to be a choice of how much you kowtow to them. Well, so a texter says you're confusing empowered with entitled. The, the argument would be what has Caleb done to deserve that seat at the table? That would be the argument. And I would say, Maybe you're right, but I live in the world of reality. Like, the Bears will not draft Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams if he doesn't want to be a Bear. They won't. It'd be too much of a risk, and we've seen it play out in the Eli Manning and the John Elway example. The player wins, and all that's happened to the player is they've gotten more power because the texter's like, I don't care if he asks questions of the Bears. I've been questioning the Bears my whole life. I just care that when he gets here, he's all in. Oh, these questions will be answered well before then. They will be answered in the one-on-one meetings that Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, Shane Waldron, George McCaskey Uh has with Caleb Williams, presumably Carl Williams, and whoever else is in his innermost circle he hasn't hired an agent yet. Yeah, I think this this distinction between entitled and empowered – is on point because I think what you've had the last five, 10 years is college athletes slowly feeling more entitled and then eventually becoming more empowered right now for guys entering the NFL and especially somebody in Caleb's position there, there is a sense of entitlement before there is full on legal empowerment. Yeah. And that's, that's oftentimes how it works. And it's like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud had money from NIL, but they didn't have the same power because there was no guarantee at who was going to go number one. They're both sitting there hoping they go number one. And there's a lot to be gained to go number one. Prestige, bragging rights, ego, 
the top rookie contracts, right. uh, the history of the NFL, the lineage, all of that stuff. Caleb's going one. Yeah. But I do legitimately think that's the football side. And then the other part is, hey, man, if you're half as good of a prospect as we think you are and you say you are, you're the best quarterback in franchise history by far in a town where it's a debate on the 85 Bears versus the Michael Jordan Bulls on which one mattered more to the city. Mm-hmm. The Bears is the great unifying force in one of the great sports cities and cities in the world. You come here, you're as good as you think you are, you're as good as we think you are, you own the city, and you're as marketable as any athlete in the NFL. I think that all makes sense. That is the sell job. It's not a hard sell as long as he's not pot committed right. to I want to play at home. The, the tricky thing for Ryan Poles, and I'm sure he's used to this as he's dealt with free agents – you know, and and things like that, is that you want to sell yourself and sell your spot while also making sure that you're about to invest in somebody who's going to be all in and going to bust their ass and going to bring their full commitment. So it is is a dual process, this interview. They won't draft him if he's not. You know, these questions... They shouldn't. They won't. They won't. Because if he's not... If he doesn't buy on what they're selling... He'll demand a trade. And if he doesn't come across as all in, they'll be like, what the hell's going on here? And it, they, I can't even think of an example where that's happened. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, well, after the fact, the player was like, man, I, didn't, I wish I would have been drafted elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- they'll get it ironed out before the draft. And there will, I think, have to be some selling of the Bears to Caleb Williams. And I get why that makes some Bears fans very, very uncomfortable. We'll talk to Dan Weeder about that, the Senior Bowl, the offseason, the coaching staff, and more. Dan Weeder are next on The Score. I'll tell you, I am fired up today because how about them Bears? Dan Weeder. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune again. Bears beat report and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. This story by Dan Weeder, it's obviously very well reported. Covering the Bears for 670 the score and 2400 sports. I've said this before playing quarterback in the NFL is a lot like marriage. It's not about being a hero all the time. It's about limiting your mistakes and and if you do make a mistake <laughs> make, sure, make sure it's not a catastrophic one. We'll mention this mainly because Chicago Tribune writer Dan Weaver said we would mention this nugget. We want it to be a fast Friday and a fast focused Friday. Dan Weederer. His name is Dan Weederer. Weederer time. Weedsy with Danny and Speeds. Weederer time. Bears. The Take to North pod. Dan Weederer talks football with you. Dan Weederer on the hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois. I swear there's, I mean, I can't go an hour without there being a massive new Bears story uh, that that drops. We got... um, I'm looking at it and reading it as we're bringing in Dan here. Yeah, yeah. Greg Hines at Cranes saying they're not using Arlington Heights at le- for leverage, but that uh, <laughs> the real goal is the lakefront. And listen to this paragraph. If the team gets its way under plans that could go public soon, it will get on the parking lot just south of Soldier Field. Shout out to Shane Reardon for that scoop. A brand new state-of-the-art dome stadium, one capable of hosting not only the Bears, but Final Four basketball tournaments, Super Bowls, and other big events, and have tended to skip Chicago for lack of a suitable venue. So, and it talks about the financing as well, but yeah, the headline, not using Arlington Heights as uh, the South Lot idea as leverage, but as, quote, the real goal, unquote. Probably shouldn't have bought 320 acres of land in Arlington Heights, but I'm just a stickler for details. You can sell it. Dan Weeder is with us now. What do you make of this, Dan? (laughs) 
you guys are breaking this to me for the first time there as you're reading it. Um, wow. I make of it that there's a long way to go, right? And and that the goal of getting this stadium up and running um, by 2027, 2028 seems to get more and more uh, out there uh, by the day, the, the, the less that it, it moves forward toward a resolution that seems crystallized. Um, you make the point, Danny, about the property and the purchase of that property back when it was purchased. You have to remember that the Bears didn't have a lot of plans set up when they purchased that property, and they didn't have a lot of assurances in place. And it is a little bit of an illumination into how sometimes uh, things are done a little bit backwards up there at 1920 Football Drive, and it creates some obstacles that create a pretty intricate obstacle course at times to steer through. Yeah, I, a, I mean, are you how, are you through this article, Speaks? I, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not through it yet, but do you, I'm through a little bit more in terms of the $100 million split in what the property taxes ought to be while they're in construction. And I know that's a huge part of the deal and a better relationship with the mayor, uh, Brandon Johnson, than they used to have. And Kevin Warren succeeding Ted Phillips. Warren, uh, that, that, that Phillips had a suburban focus and Warren might be bringing more of a city focus. If Brandon Johnson gets the Bears to sell the 320 acres of land in Arlington Heights after buying it, and they build a new soldier field in the south lot and then convert the current soldier field into park land so they don't lose park land in the city but actually gain it. Talk about a legacy. He's going to be the mayor for the next 10 terms. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Guys, this is also <laughs> a little bit of insight into to Kevin, right, and, and how he – chases this think big ambition at all times and he starts with the grandest possible vision and doesn't back away from that until there's reasons to kind of back away from that he wants to do things um both for the organization and for his own legacy that that register as iconic and i think that he's always had this vision of um that skyline and having that 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 picture of a new state-of-the-art best in the league stadium with the iconic chicago skyline right next to it and not 20 miles in the distance and so um, we'll see which direction this all heads I always ask the first question with stadiums is who's paying for all this right and um, obviously we got to get some answers to those questions before we start uh, talking about things like the reality but it's certainly a, a fluid and evolving situation for sure I just apparently Dan there's a there's a special clause in the state law that governs the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority um, and and there, so there could be a way to like gerrymander this in classic Chicago style. So it's it's fascinating. We'll see. The White Sox are pissed, you know, because they might lose out on some of that ISFA money. And Brandon Johnson less motivated to help the White Sox if he helps the Bears. It's fascinating. I mean, I just maybe everybody does it. How would they make up the money though? It still is. It still is a it's massive. It still is a miserable location to get to mm-hmm. logistically, and it is objectively because i'm not great at math but it's smaller you know what i mean it's that it's 326 acres in arlington heights of course it's a confined space on the lakefront you wouldn't be building residential homes and hotels and restaurants you'd you'd be abandoning that model but you'd be incorporating yourself into the city perhaps in some new ways and i just but the but that model is the way that you make more money yeah so I don't know how well, that's surprising. The other part of it is, what are you doing with the property in Arlington Heights? I know there's this, this sentiment that, oh, it's just easy to throw 326 acres up on the market and somebody's going to drive by and see the for sale sign and buy it. But it's a lot of property to, uh, to to sell to a developer and try to figure out what they're going to do with all of it. Uh, that's another another wrinkle in this. And, and like I said, this is uh, 
one of those situations that that just seems to move further from the finish line uh the the, the further along we get yeah no that's that's true dan and and as you know this could be very well executed leverage towards the 100 million dollar discrepancy in property values in arlington heights as well <laughs> yeah yeah and then man that's a whole nother we could do two segments on the uh th that discrepancy and how uh, you can't even build a bridge that that gets you forty percent of the way toward the middle on that one. That one that one blows my mind on on both sides. To be honest with you, this is why you got into sports, isn't it? It's why you got into covering 100%. football. Hey, look though, this is an exciting time to cover the Chicago Bears for so many different reasons, and and this next period here of five to ten years is is going to be landmark one way or the other. Whether it's the the, the, the grandest successes on both of these fronts, or whether it's failures that we will uh, talk about in the history books for years to come, we are we are sitting here at a time where there's a lot going on and a lot of notable happenings at a notable time in the franchise. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a great time to, to kind of have that interest peaking altogether. So what do you make of the idea of the noise around Caleb Williams and his interest or desirability or lack thereof in the Chicago Bears? Yeah, I think my first reaction would be, holy bleep, uh, everyone needs to invest in some noise-canceling headphones for the next 12 weeks because this is going to only amplify and there's going to be a lot of stuff out there that's swirling and everybody's going to have to filter speculation from reporting from uh legitimate source-based fact and it's really really hard stew to uh sift through at times th th this week is is kind of a, a flashpoint that i think illuminates a handful of different things to be honest with you and uh, you know one of them for me is that we're <laughs> sitting here at a time in in human history, maybe, and, and certainly in Bears history, where it's a dynamic where, where literally every single word spoken, written, or thought is is subject to this, you know, almost instant aggregation. And then that instant aggregation is subject to nonstop hyperanalysis and amplified opinion on what the original thing that was grabbed to be aggregated was trying to say or implying. And it just it's insane. Like it, it literally gets insane at, at times to, to try to, to, to walk through all this stuff. Um, th that's my, my starting point. You guys can re respond to that. And then I, I think there's a few things very Caleb specific that it illuminates as well. Well, yeah. Well, it, look, I, I grant what you just said, certainly about the chaos of media and guilty as charged counselor. But I think it's also true that we are dealing with a new time and a new wave of athlete um, in the NIL era that is yeah. empowered on, in college and maybe not yet empowered in the NFL, but certainly feels perhaps they should be entitled to be empowered. That's kind of the reality of, the, of, of young college humans right now that Ryan Poles has to deal with. So when I, when I started digging around in mid to late December, you get some sentiments on, on how people were viewing the Bears from afar and how they were viewing this quarterback situation. One of the things that consistently came up is that, that Caleb is really the first – NIL megastar going into the NFL draft, you know, and, and, and so I, I think it's uncharted territory for a lot of people and it, and it shakes up the comfort level for people that have done this a certain way for a long period of time. And they, they, they are willing to adjust. They're just not sure how they're supposed to adjust. And so it's going to be a, an interesting case study early on to see what dynamics this presents. I, I know that, the, you know, there are questions in league circles uh, around, okay. So when it relates to this, particular quarterback prospect people want to know um who does he have in his ear 
and who does he have tugging on his arm? You know, and that that's one of those cases for a kid that just turned 22, I think, in November uh, to, to try to figure out, like, what else are you dealing with when when you're zeroing in on a, on a prospect whose skills as a quarterback you love, but you're trying to figure out how is this all going to work in a lot of different ways going forward? And so answering those questions has got to be part of the homework that Ryan Poles and his group are doing right now to figure out, okay, like, does Caleb have control over his situation? Is he being pulled in certain directions by outside forces? Does he have certain people in his ear having him think about things that, that he might not have thought about otherwise? And so you got to get your arms around that. Um, the other part of like this week's mushrooming of attention on this is if you are Caleb Williams's camp, if you are the Chicago Bears, you better understand what the strength is needed to hold up this big top because this is going to be a spotlight and a circus when he enters the league, unlike anything that either Caleb has experienced or the bears have experienced. And so you better have dynamics in place and you better not be caught off guard by this of, of managing reality, managing alternative reality, trying to figure out how to message through all of this stuff so that th this isn't an ongoing every single week. There's one of these sort of stories that mushrooms up and it gets so loud and so noisy that, that it just feels like complete chaos. Yeah. How I put it, Dan was, when you guys did that reporting on, you know, the dinner with uh, Trubisky and the dinner with Mahomes mm -hmm. and they're getting to know each other. And obviously those are two-way conversations. It's not just a grilling. But the essence is and was the Bears are interviewing the quarterback to see if they want to make him the face of the franchise. Whereas now, I think that when they have that dinner with Caleb, let's say it's a five-hour meeting and dinner. Maybe three hours they're asking him questions, and two hours he's asking them questions. You know, I think I just think I think they're sitting as equals at that dinner, and Caleb's asking questions about what's your plan to develop me? What's the marketing plan? What are you doing with the ninth overall pick? What's the wh why hasn't there ever been a four thousand yard passer in the history of the? You know, honestly, like is it hard to throw at the lakefront in Soldier Field? Is there something about Chicago that's a through line here? Like I. I think the Bears do have to sell themselves a little bit to this kid. I don't disagree, and I think they will learn about him through the questions that he asks them. You know, another thing that was brought up um, from people I talked to around the league is just kind of trying to, to gauge the motivation and, and, and what does that pie chart look like? How much of Caleb Williams' motivation is designed toward being the best quarterback to play this game, which he has vocally said at times throughout his playing career um, in, in college, certainly, and, and before, and how much is driven by chasing the spoils that come with success and fame, you know, and so the types of questions that he asks in one of those settings may give you a greater understanding of where those wires are and where they're plugged in. And it may, it may lead you to, to ask some follow-up questions that, that help you get a better um, personality profile on who the kid is and, and what he's after here. Um, and that's, that's part of this decision-making process. It's why, um, you know, really we've been saying for more than a month now that, that the bears homework has so little to do with the tape and, you know, sure. They're going to go to his pro day and they'll, they'll put him through a private workout somewhere just to, to check some boxes, but, but, but they know, who he is and what his uh, strengths are as a, as a player. The rest of this is a, a very complex uh, situation. And to your point, Danny, you better be prepared for it. You know, you better yes. be spending countless hours, you know, not just walking in like, Oh, this is a dinner. Like <laughs> you better have a binder full of questions and things that you want to know at the end and be prepared to, to your point, to answer some of his questions in a way that's uh, mutually productive for both sides. This is evolution of team sports. I mean, how many times have you written the story or had the conversation about, 
you know, you got to coach kids differently these days. You got to coach these guys. You know, they want to be, they want an explanation. You can't just bark at them now. It's like these are, you know, as as kids evolve, then the methodology has to evolve. I'd, I'd be surprised if Ryan Poles isn't all over this this part of the process now and understanding from the young players' perspective what, what it's like for them. Well, I think I put this in the, the quarterback confidential piece that I wrote in late December. I know I had the conversation, but it was an AFC coordinator uh, who said to me that when you draft a quarterback at number one overall, everyone in the building has to understand on the night that you turn that card in that they now work for that kid. You know, it's a 22 year old kid in Caleb Williams's case. And, th- and that's not to to put people in some sort of uncomfortable position. It's like th- you have to understand that this is now the engine of the entire organization's drive toward the goal of pursuing championships. And so you have to make sure that you're married up with that prospect and that player in a way that is productive for every single person. And so you have to surround him with people who have his development in mind, who have his best interest I- I- in mind at every turn. And it's got to be people in every single department in the building who understands the marriage of all those things and how that, that wheel turns and how many spokes there are in that wheel. And so like, that's part of this, you know, is, 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 can you handle that? You know, are you, are you willing to take on those responsibilities? If you're going to take this huge swing at chasing greatness, which I think the three of us are all um, in lockstep and saying, it's a pretty good time to to try it, uh, to take that swing. You just, better be ready to, to, to know what, what pitches are coming, you know, <laughs> and, and can you hit them and, and where in the strike zone do you want them? And, and, and then, then swing away, but you can't go up there just hoping and wishing. And, and, and then five years later go, man, that just didn't work out. Part of the reason that, um, that the three of us are in agreement that they ought to draft this kid probably, unless they find something brutal in their interviewing process, et cetera, is is resetting the contract. Part of it is the incredible talent of the kid, and part of it is kind of the sad realization of where we are with Justin Fields' development, while he's, of course, not finished as a human, as a quarterback prospect, but in terms of right. where he is. Man, I, I thought your piece in the Trib about the statistical goals that you had set before the season and whether he met them or not was telling. There were lots of Fs in there. Uh, a couple of met expectations, but a lot of needs improvement in the piece, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So we tried to grade it like a, <laughs> a grade school progress report, so to speak, where it was failed to meet expectations, needs improvement, met expectations, or exceeded expectations. And there were zero categories in which Justin exceeded expectations and four each of the other three categories. What was notable to me, Speaks, was, was the goals that we set we're not of the pie in the sky. Justin's going to be an MVP in 2023 variety. We weren't thinking that. No, 3,200 thir- yards, 3,200 yards, seven games with 225, three with 300. He failed on all of those. Right. You know, and you, you talk about being the first passer to ever surpass 4,000 yards with the Bears, and then you don't get past 2,000 until Christmas Eve. That's a, it's a red flag, you know, and it's a concern that needs to be addressed. The sack rate, which was something that was brought over up to me in the summer to to really zero in on and say, like, yes, we know Justin holds the ball too long. We know that that he takes sacks a lot. But this is a real outlier in terms of the percentage that it was at through his first two years. Now, he made improvement this season. He made improvement in the last seven games of this season. But it was still 30th in the league. I think maybe came and checked in at 31st this year in sack rate. And when you compare Justin's sack rate to the six other quarterbacks over the last three years that have played in Bears uniforms with the same coaching staff, the same supporting cast, the same offensive line, it's way 
way out of line with, with what those other quarterbacks, by the way, Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman, you know, are, are, are part of that list and, and, and an undrafted rookie and Tyson Bajant. And so, yeah, there are, there are categories there that, that, that give you a lot of pause. And I, I, you know, I can't emphasize it enough when you talk to people around the league, the fourth quarter stuff is that's the most damning for, for people that you talk to, because look, we've watched Brock Purdy in the playoffs play two games that most people would categorize as mediocre or below and then step up with the game on the line and win the football game. And it just, it just, it's just a reminder of game on the line moments and how significant that is to being one of the best at the position. Dan, what is the most interesting thing that you saw, heard, read out of the senior bowl? Yeah. So I was not down there this week, Brad. I know. Biggs did did the, the, the entirety of that. So, um, Maybe like you, I'm waiting for Brad's 10 thoughts to launch on Monday. I'll probably get a sneak peek this weekend to get a, a full canvassing there. It, it felt to me from, from, from talking to Brad throughout the week, number one on the, the fields, Caleb topic, it just seems like in the league, there is a lot of people that would be stunned if the Bears weren't heavily leaning towards drafting Caleb Williams, number one, um, and moving on from Justin Fields. That, that's notable. I do think there are some prospects that were playing in that game, uh, most notably the pass rusher from UCLA, Latu, who, who people are really, really impressed with. And that's a guy that's going to be um, on your radar at number nine, possibly below. Um, one of the things that's becoming more apparent to me in talking to people right now is that that number nine pick gives the Bears some flexibility that they're maybe going to love. And we're justifiably going to talk a ton about the pick at number one. But if you get to number nine and you see a, a board in front of you where there's like seven or eight guys that you'd love to have on your team and you say, OK, maybe somebody does want to come up and get the fourth quarterback or the fifth quarterback off the board and th- they're, they're you know, calling us uh, to offer us something. Well, now you've got options and it really feels like at positions of need for the Bears edge rusher, uh, if Bowers is still there at tight end offensive tackle, there's going to be some pretty intriguing options that could last into the mid teens there that give you some flexibility that could allow you to trade back, recoup some of that draft capital that you may not have gotten if you stick at number one. And all of a sudden you're building the team around uh, the number one prospect, like everyone wants them to do. Yeah. What one caveat to that is a, there's, I haven't seen a single mock that doesn't have all three wide receivers gone by nine. The the, the top three wide receivers that drop off. Right. Yeah. So you may, you may miss out on the, the receiving group there. Um, look like that's another position group right now where you you hear people tell you that that Dunze is is just as impressive as Marvin Harrison Jr's I've had a, a GM tell me that that Malik Neighbors on the tape alone is more impressive than Marvin Harrison Jr but the belief is that Marvin Harrison Jr is just a a safer prospect overall because of outside things and and things there. So it's going to be really interesting to watch those three come off the board and see where that leaves you. Um, and, and if one of those guys does slip to nine and you love them, like, well, then, then, then you say, Oh, you know, hang up the phone. Like we, we want this guy and, and we're going to turn in that card and, and have a weapon right away for, for whoever it is uh, playing quarterback for us. What was yesterday like as a member of the proud Chicago Tribune staff? Yeah, Danny, it's hard because this has been, five years leading up to a day like yesterday where, you know, there's an element of pride, um, particularly for the leaders of our guild at the Chicago Tribune, uh, standing up and, and fighting the fight the way that they have in what has been a real test of stamina because of the, I guess I would call it soulless greed of <laughs> the hedge fund that owns our, our newspaper right now. And so you have that element of pride and then you just have this element of exhaustion because it's like some of the, the basic things that are being fought for to keep 
journalism alive and healthy in the city of Chicago. And you know, I, you guys addressed it yesterday and I appreciate it. This goes well beyond sports. You know, this is, this is the city. This is a, the health of our city and the health of our society in the city. And to, to see some of that just taken for granted by the owners of an institution like the Chicago Tribune, it makes your stomach drop. I mean, it really is kind of sickening at times to realize how much this has deteriorated to the point where like, you know, there, there's a, a group of passionate, dedicated reporters willing to strike because the people that that own the newspaper don't see the societal value in the things that we do to a level that's that's even respectful so um that's that's a short answer to a a topic that i could spend about four days talking about well uh, it was a hell of a stance that uh, you guys took yesterday and uh you're definitely going upstream in the fight, but uh, I, I'll give you I'll give you a little quick anecdote before I go. I know you got to get a break here in a second, but when I started at the Tribune in 2013, the sports department alone had 48 people in it. That was writers, editors, and copy desk people. We have been sitting at 14 for I think the last three plus years now. If you can just do the math on the reduction of manpower and then what that does in terms of limiting your ability to do the types of meaningful things that make a difference again, outside of sports, inside of sports, it's, it's jarring. And so it's probably good for the audience to understand kind of why that, why that matters. But I do appreciate the two of you guys spending some time on it and illuminating. Wow. Absolutely. Dan, thank you for the time. We'll talk soon. All right, fellas. Have a good weekend. All right. That is Dan Weeder. We can open up some phone lines here. Three, one, two, six, 44, 67, 67, the Caleb stuff, the stadium stuff. We got a lot going on. There's a lot going on, man. Candlesticks make a nice gift. They, they, they do. Uh, so yeah, we got to regroup here for a minute. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson Spiegel show flashback. 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 Big day for Shane today, though. Yep. Contacted the mayor of Nashville, confirmed that Reinsdorf met there. Uh, Contribute reported on the Bears exploring the South Lot as a site he, for the next stadium. He won categories, won categories, and made an excellent prime rib. Good day for you know, all, all around team effort. Thank you. Except to, you guys didn't really do the prime rib at all or the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That was mostly all you. Uh, that was good, guys. <laughs> that was a good I'll one. I'll bring us in. No, no, please, please go ahead. We have soundproof glass here. It's a fancy radio station. Yeah. And uh, when Tanny played that uh, joke uh, that Shane told when he had that story about the South Loop and made the prime rib, uh, the laugh permeated that soundproof through my headphones. And I just heard it in here. It was Shane laughing at his own joke from months ago. I forgot that I had made it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was new material to you. I'm ma- hilarious. That was new material. <laughs> it was really good delivery. I'm yeah. proud of that one. It very, was. very you strong. Should you should be. And mm-hmm. also all the news I broke in that awesome prime rib. Well, it's funny that because that little nugget. Oh, dig yourself. <laughs> yes, you, Rex. I, I, when he, I remember when he said, guys, uh, I got a little something here. Should I dig this? Uh, should I go and uh, check this out? Yes. Yes. That they were scouting the location of the South Lot. And now here it is showing up in Crane's Chicago business as written by Greg Hines that the Bears' actual focus is the lakefront for a domed stadium, not Arlington Heights. And Greg Hines is writing it as if, and he says it very clear, it's not leverage the Bears' interest in the South Lot. Do you buy that it's not leverage? Do you buy that Kevin Warren is uh, trying to spearhead a city-bound dome for the Chicago Bears? I have trouble I'm, buying it. I'm starting to. I'm starting to. Because people 
who have been in the room with Kevin Warren said that his tone has shifted on this as he's talked about it at different points. That it has shifted more genuine in the direction of the city. He is, it's potentially all leverage. Hmm. Getting photos with Brandon Johnson, bringing Brandon Johnson around, you know. I guess the definition of really good leverage is when it's believable. Exactly. And, exactly. And everything that he's done to build a relationship with the city and to showcase his love for the city and, you know, and to actually have the news come out that he is looking, that they are looking at South Loop. Like if they're $100 million apart on it, the tax bill in Arlington Heights. Sure. And he spends a year coming up with stories to make Arlington Heights blank. Inviting Brandon Johnson to the suite on the day when he just so happens to have the professional fo- photographer there who's following him around, doing the South Lot look, uh, hanging out with mayors of different towns. Waxing rhapsodic about how he loves the city and I the live skyline. in the cities, right? If he does all that for a year and it gets the Bears in the Arlington Heights, the that gap of $100 million, it gets it down to $50 million, Right. That, Kevin Warren doesn't make $50 million. Well done. You know, you know what I mean? Like they, He could obviously create all of that appearance to just get Arlington Heights to blink. And it's, and it's more than $50 because we're talking about property tax annual. value right, that annually affects right. them as they build. The whole thing, they're not wanting to pay the property tax value of a finished stadium. Right. They're wanting to pay the property tax value of this barren land that they're working on right now. And, this, and Arlington Heights is like, you know, you're going to be putting something pretty good here. <laughs> we, we, we believe that you should be paying more of that property tax. So, yeah, it's what, four years, five years, depending on how long everything takes, if they get the go-ahead. I, I mean, at, at least, and certainly to build everything around it, too, it's going to be a long-ass time. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I feel like is what's happening is that if it was, a, if it was like two columns, like a pro-con column, um, or at maybe making an Arlington Heights column and a Chicago column, it has felt like Kevin Warren has been putting all of the positives in the Chicago column publicly and none of the positives in the Arlington Heights column publicly. But the thing in the Arlington Heights column that would tip the scales, if we can mix metaphors here and take it from uh, columns on a paper to like a weighted scale, is that they own 326 acres of land in Arlington Heights. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's just hard. And, yes, people say they could just sell it. But they're not real estate developers. They didn't buy it to sell it. Mm-hmm. They didn't buy it to flip it. They bought it to develop a property out there. And I know that because they said it when they bought it. Layla Rahimi's, <laughs> you know? Layla Rahimi's colleagues over at NBC Sports yeah. had the scoop the other day about – this discrepancy, the dollar amount, this $100 million difference in the property tax values, and the bigger bit of information in that was the timing. You remember the timing that was in there, that by the end of February, yes, that the Arlington Heights, this issue will need to be decided, that they'll either move on or they'll come to some sort of agreement. So there is sense to this timing that this story comes out makes all the sense in the world. So if you are the Arlington Heights folks who've been counting on the stadium, perhaps, but just want to make sure you extract a little bit more out of the property values, this could maybe scare you to the negotiating table a little bit more rapidly. I just don't get, you talk about Ballpark Village in baseball, and I understand that the revenue in baseball is different than football, right? In baseball, uh, 
there is revenue sharing that is done from everything inside the ballpark so that the teams that have the best attendance uh, have to share with the teams that have the worst attendance. That's like the very simplified version of revenue sharing. But everything you make around it, local media deals, rooftops, on-property restaurants, et cetera, concerts, if you own your venue, you get to keep. That's the local revenue that doesn't need to be shared, which is why Wrigley prints money for the Ricketts family that hopefully they reinvest all of it into the ball club. That doesn't give you the same advantages in football. There's a salary cap and a salary floor, and everybody gets to spend the same amount because everyone gets one thirty-second. right? The Jaguars get the same percentage of the deal with Fox mm-hmm. that the Cowboys get. You know, the Packers get the same percentage as the Chiefs of the CBS deal. So, in the NFL, it's much more equal. So, but, I, but, but still, the McCaskies would get to keep the ballpark village equivalent. Yeah, and, you, and, know you, I mean? and it, you build it, different things for a football stadium than you would for a baseball stadium because the baseball stadium, you've got 81 dates. You plus have, the concerts. You have so few dates at the football stadium. That's why there's going to be a lot of residential in Arlington Heights. You know, and a lot of shopping and things like that. Some ways to try and draw people for non-football dates. A Bears Hall of Fame or museum eventually. Well, that yeah, but, kind but of thing. It's, it's all, but what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is it is actually, it's not as much of a competitive advantage. It's really no competitive advantage. It's just about which one would make the McCaskies more money. Because, I, and I would, so I would think that that would be a great motivating factor. But maybe it isn't. Maybe they're like, we're wealthy enough. We're the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. We don't want to leave the location of the landmark stadium and the city. And we got enough money. We don't we don't want to be real estate developers. We just don't want to play on Park District land anymore and have high school soccer games be on our field 36 hours before kickoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't want Kanye lighting lighting a house on fire at the 50 yard line before we play the Bengals. Um, So I, I assume they are going to remember that happened. That was, a, that, yes. was a, that was a real thing that happened. <laughs> Kanye West lit a house on fire at Soldier Field uh, on like a Friday. Granted, <laughs> it was his own house. It was a model of his own house. Well, that, that was a he thing put that there. happened. Yeah. He drove like eighty Chevy Suburbans onto the grass. Yeah, they had a game. Within a three t- days later, yeah, it was yeah, like a Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, mm. yeah it, was, it was that was a crazy thing that happened. Yeah, Eighty sound- Chevy Suburbans <laughs> drove onto the field. Maybe that should have been a clue as to the soundness of mind <laughs> at that point. You have some fire claw. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Something that happened in a stadium that an NFL team plays on. Yeah, recently that'll damage the water tables. <laughs> yeah, and, and the grass. They get the same sod that I play softball in at the Lincoln Park Southfield on the north side. Uh-huh. The sod is better. Same hey, grass. The sod is better. Eberflus has improved the They've sod. They've stepped it up. Eberflus yeah. has improved the sod. Got the but combination the- of Kentucky bluegrass. <laughs> oh, and some other stuff. What what kind of sods up yours? But you, but you, can, you can play thirty six holes in the morning and get stoned to the bejesus <laughs> on it in the afternoon. Uh, is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was talking about the sod. Yeah, Ty Webb. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh huh. Got a lot going on. A lot going on. And Weeder being like, NFL. A GM said that Caleb's the first star of the NIL days. 
and it's a and it's a real thing. Absolutely, that, that the Bears I, have to be prepared for. I, I always, you know, Jordan Moore, the uh, pregame host and the sideline reporter for USC, who's like covered Caleb obviously very very closely, had said in that article by Steve Greenberg, and I haven't been able to get my out of, out of my head when you really consider everything that Caleb's into. Here was the quote: "He's just a new wave of athlete that's coming. I think he's the true next generation athlete. Whatever the generation after Gen Z is, to me, he's the first real star. You know, and that's." There you go. And 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 that's that's what we're dealing with. And I do believe it's just an extension of how pro sports goes. Like you know, it, it, do you see what Tom Brady's dad said about Belichick the other day? That Belichick, you know, he screams too much. He comes from a military background. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And he's of course toned it down to deal with modern NFL players, but there comes a time when you know, things things do change. Thing things do change. And the way that that Ryan Poles deals with draftees should be different than the way that Jerry Angelo dealt with draftees. You know, this is just the, the kids change. How about Jalen Johnson talking about communication with us? How many moments did we have during the course of the year where Jalen would say something like, it's just about us communicating with intention to each other. And like, there is a knowledge and a maturity on some things that is just different, yeah. man. And with that comes a different way of having to deal with them and, and hear them and, and understand them. So, uh, and, and I do believe that Ryan Poles is, is very well equipped to deal with that multi-leveled interview that, that we've been talking about. I do, too. I do, I do too. There's just, uh, just kind of a pivotal moment in Bears history on the, on the field and off the field. There's a, there's a lot going on. Jay, oh, from our home away from home, the I-88 corridor. Oh, man. What are they going to do over there? Is, is the parking lot full at the Top Golf, Jay? <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, no, it's not. I'm actually in Naperville, which is part of why I'm calling because uh, mm. it came up as a as a possible site for the new uh, stadium. And when that happened, I, I ended up uh, you know doing a little research online, looking to see if uh, someone had said that stadiums are actually a, a net negative for the city that they're built in. So I did some research, and all I could find were journal journal uh, academic articles saying saying just that, saying that they're they're actually not good for that this for the city that they they end up getting built in. So why, why are these cities even competing for this? Do they know that? Is there something else going on here that, that I don't know about? Or, you know, are those journal articles just wrong? I mean, no, no, what do you I, guys think about that? I, I, think it's, I think it's the human vanity and excitement for mayors and those in power in those cities that they want the Bears. Well, it's, it's also and, – and so that is, that is definitely a part of it. Um, the people that get to sit at the table that make the deal, it's good for all of them, no matter what side they're on. You know, oh, okay, you're going to build it in Arlington Heights? Cool. As long as you give the, the construction contract to my cousin to, Jimmy. To my cousin Jimmy. And as long as there's a briefcase. To be fair, cousin Jimmy actually does a really good he's job. He's great. He's great. He's, Very I mean, good he's, ne he's never cut a single corner, he always works with permits. Uh, but you know, like the, yes. so the, the the power brokers that yes. make the deal happen, uh -huh. they all get paid one way or another through straight cash, through oh, a man. bonus, through being reelected, through uh, a sweetheart deal for Halliburton for a defense contract. 
You know what I mean? Seriously. It's escalated quickly. I'm just I'm just serious. Yeah, no, I know. That's that's I know. that's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. So and that's it, why the Bears are going to war with Iraq. So the, so the so the so the guy who makes eighty grand a year or hundred and fifty grand a year <laughs> that lives in a six hundred thousand dollar home in Arlington Heights, uh-huh. yeah, it might not be great for him, but he doesn't have enough power to have a seat at that table. Tell you what, if they ever try to <laughs> drag down the statue of Walter Payton, that's not gonna be applauded, my friend. Mission not accomplished. The decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> it is the single greatest. Oh, my God. It's the single greatest slip of the tongue oh, in the history of slips of the tongue. One of the greatest Freudian slips of all time. <laughs> Better than any one that Freud ever had. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Iraq. Anyway. Uh, the Parkinson Spiegel Show. And then I met Buck. Chicago! Afternoons on the score. There's a lot going on here. All right, so we have this story from Greg Hines in Cranes uh, that says the Bears' real focus is the lakefront, not Arlington Heights. Colin Cowherd walking back uh, some of what he said on his show earlier today and um we are going to see if we can figure out all the things that are going on we also have what kevin warren said recently about the stadium and if he is actually changing his tone on this whole sort of thing but either way it's not really that much of a big deal it's just a new quarterback and a decision with the number one overall pick and a new stadium yeah it's just you know the future of the team both short term and long term that's all that's all okay so, and we might have something coming on the show here in just a minute based on what's going on on the other side, since we're going to stall a little bit here yeah. on whether or not we play some uh, Kevin Warren sound right now. I mean, seriously, it, it's it's Caleb Williams and what that would mean for next year and immediately. Um, and that is uh, the biggest the biggest issue. And then there's, I mean, that's the biggest issue in terms of now. And they have to decide what to do. And then there's, oh, yeah, the stadium, which when completed would theoretically set the team up to be financially viable for the next few decades. All right. Colin Cowherd's going to join us in 10 minutes. He's going to join us at four o'clock. And uh, until then, we will hear what Kevin Warren said. Let's see if we could judge the sincerity here of Kevin Warren uh, and his plans for the stadium uh, the last time he spoke about it publicly. Intrigues me about the, I mean, it's not necessarily the South Lot. What intrigues me uh, about downtown is I, I strongly believe Chicago is the finest city in all of the world. I mean, very rarely you, do you get an opportunity to have such a beautiful downtown with a vibrant business community, with an absolutely beautiful lake and the energy that, that goes along. And so I, I always focus on, you know, what's a way that we could, you know, bring together the beauty of the lake, the beauty of downtown, the business community, all the art exhibits uh, to bring that together for an environment. Because it's always about the fans. How, how can we create an environment that they really enjoy? And not only on our game days, but also from art, from food, um, um, just from music. And, uh, I, I, you know, I live downtown. I love the city. And I just think we're, we're blessed to be able to live in a city like Chicago. And so it has many pluses. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm just a big proponent of the Chicagoland area. I'm a big proponent of Arlington Heights, but there's something that's really special about uh, downtown Chicago. Well, yeah. 
Well, yeah. It is. It, 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 I, it's, it it's is a great special. city. Paris would like a word. <laughs> Paris, Paris would like uh, a conversation, Kevin, when you say greatest city in the world. I would think. Yeah, but. Chicago's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, 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 fine, I'm fine with him making the case. Pandering. It's what he's doing right there. Yeah, really. but I got to say. It he, works, though. It's very effective pandering. Yeah. W- I would still bet on Arlington Heights because they own the land. But $100 million when it's not just two people in a room, there's a school and all sorts of ramifications. You know what I mean? This is mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. So... To be, to be continued. To be continued. It, it, I mean, it, it would be pretty neat to still have it here, but boy, what a pain in the ass to get to right now. And if you're moving just a little bit south, then you're dealing with, they'd have to really do something with that 18th Street access ramp right there to get onto Museum Campus, which is how you get there, and to the south lot. That 18th Street access, you can't get there from the other side of the train tracks. It's only a little, like an outlet off of Lakeshore Drive coming from the south and, uh, and, and coming from the north and like that end of Museum Campus. But that's not really an entrance. So I wonder if they would have to find a way to build some kind of, you know, uh, as, as some kind of uh, ramp that goes over. Or you know what's going to come back into play? I'll tell you right now. Bill Curtis's big vision, new soldier field possibility with the flying gondolas. <laughs> the flying gondolas might be coming back into our lives. It's, uh, it, it's even more interesting than that. They build a bridge. <laughs> they build a bridge. You walk right over it. Right over the train. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. It's even more interesting than that. Well, they have one now. You've got to get more. But wider. It's so bad, I mean, though. that 18th Street walk. right by the police station is one lane each way. Yeah, it's insane. You can't. Yeah, yeah you, you can't. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd have to redo that. But that bridge, that walking bridge, is just absolutely brutal. It's like, what is the most inconvenient <laughs> way we could have possibly built this thing? Let's go up as high as we can one direction, then up just as high the other direction, and then across, and then double it up again. It takes forever, and it's narrow. It'd have to be three lanes for cars each way, and then probably a three-lane person walkway on either side. That yeah. sounds easy. Yeah, it it is. It legitimately is. Man, okay. that is not the hiccup here. <laughs> it's 100. The, how they get people there is not the hiccup. Unlike other cities, we don't walk away from our most storied and iconic assets. <laughs> Look at the lady that. with the big glasses. <laughs> hey, guys, you want to figure out what Colin knows versus what Colin thinks? That could be fun, right? <laughs> Am I the only one who thinks it could be fun? No, I, 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 I just... I, 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 seems, seems a blank stares on fun. No. I get it. I get it. Fun, yeah, fun is... I get it. Fun is relative. All right, well, I, I mean, this is kind of a thrill for me personally. I'm not going to lie to you. He's an interesting guy to talk to. <laughs> he talks a lot. He's good at talking. So we're going to see what Colin Coward knows versus what he thinks about Caleb Williams and the Chicago Bears. Next on The Score. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Okay, if we're giving random shout-outs to Chicago radio shows, Parkins and Spiegel, obviously the best. <laughs> Afternoons on The Score. My guy Colin Cowherd, this is a national voice with deep connections to USC and Caleb Williams. I do think it's possible that Washington trades up and Chicago allows Washington to trade up because Caleb and his group 
do not want to go to Chicago. I don't want to live in this world of that being our next three months. Things that I need to get my mind off of Colin Coward's statement. I have a ton of respect for Colin Coward. You buy what Colin Coward is selling? Colin Coward has a tremendous reputation. You know, I respect Colin. He knows people, but there's been nothing from Caleb. Colin Coward. Does Colin Coward have any actual information? Colin is a guy that is connected to a couple of different places. So I got a call from the Caleb Williams camp, and they went, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, Colin, we don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago. Tuesday's the day I like to watch the herd. There's just, you know, engaging guests and really fun days, you know. So that's that's my day to really soak in the herd. The Parkins and Spiegel Show, afternoons on The Score. Well, this will be interesting and a personal thrill. Colin Cowherd is with us. On the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. He's been programming Chicago Sports Talk. We appreciate <laughs> we appreciate the content gift, sir, for the last twenty-four hours. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're, we're we're doing well, Colin. Colin, of course, the herd with Colin Cowherd, the volume. All right, can you clear it up for us? What what was yeah, opinion what, what was so opinion? Listen, what was fact? Well, I mean, we all, you know, you guys are on probably four hours a day. Well, how long are you on a day? Four yep. or something yeah. like that? Four, yeah. four yeah, hours I'm, a day. I'm rambling for three. And so I was told, um, you know, after the, the, Caleb knows he's going to be the number one pick. He, he, you know, like everybody knows it. Like it's done. Um, the, all the exact, I mean, everybody knew two years before Andrew Luck. They knew when he was a sophomore. You know, he's Trevor Lawrence. Two years when he won the Natty as a freshman. Everybody knew Caleb's going to be the number one guy. It's not close. He's a significantly better prospect than Drake May. And he knows it. And he's got a lot of self-awareness. Um, Caleb hides from people. Like, he's not going to the Super Bowl. He doesn't want to go to this stuff. He's not going out. He sits in his apartment. Like, he's a good kid. But there's a lot surrounding him. Thank God he's in L.A. where he can get lost. But he's – his dad, though, is a big personality, strong opinions. Don't know him. Met him once. And I was told about – I don't know if it was eight, nine weeks ago. Like, it, there were some real misgivings about Chicago and Jesus, Justin Fields can't win games and he's super talented. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff about that. And so when I was talking on the show yesterday um, as, and an addendum, by the way, I was told 15 minutes ago that five NFL teams have called USC to do a background check on Caleb and they're going to offer the bears packages to get the number one pick. So, you heard you heard that 15 minutes ago. 15 minutes ago from somebody I trust that USC has been called by uh, just shy of a half a dozen teams doing background checks. Caleb Williams is going to get – Chicago could keep fields, go to number two, go to number – I wasn't told who made the calls. Okay. I was told there's going to be offers for that number one pick. That's how good Caleb is. So you could keep Justin Fields. I wouldn't, but you could. You could move down a few spots. But I've been told this is a better prospect significantly than Andrew Luck by three executives, two with rings. He's really special. Yes. And what I generally do with my sources, I call GMs that don't need the player in question. So I'm calling GMs that don't need a quarterback. So I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting misinformation. You know, well, I, I called two GMs last year or the year before on Kenny Pickett a couple of years ago. They had quarterbacks, and they both said he's a third-round grade, but the Steelers need a quarterback. Well, we were right. He's not very good, right? So um, 
I've a lot of my sources on Caleb are teams that don't need quarterbacks. So I feel like I get a more honest opinion. He is viewed as above Mahomes at this point. Now that doesn't mean he's going to get Andy Reid as a coach. But so anyway, I was told eight, nine weeks ago, there were a lot of concerns about Chicago's mess. We don't know if Eberflus is the guy. We don't know if Ryan's the guy. We don't know about the ownership group. There's been questions where they're going to play. Detroit and Green Bay are stacked rosters. Kevin O'Connell's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Wait until he gets his quarterback. And there was just a lot of concerns. Now, my guess is that probably mostly came from the dad side because Caleb just hides. Great kid hides. But then when I talked yesterday about, and I said what I said, somebody reached out very close to Caleb and said, that's a little hot. We don't, we're not anti-Chicago. Caleb wants a big, aggressive, passionate city. Like he does not want to go to a Sunbelt team that tarps off the upper deck. He <laughs> wants he wants a big, loud, crazy, passionate, all-in city. So let's back and up that, for a second, Colin. That's incredible stuff. And if I got that information or you had that information eight weeks ago or yeah. whatever, my God, I'd be tempted to like use it or form a take around it or whatever. Why did it come out yesterday? Was it just the happenstance of being in the middle of a segment and, and you keep talking? Like why did it come out well, yesterday? Well, first of all, I had said about eight, nine weeks ago, and again, yesterday it wasn't a segment. I just, it was, I think it was a herd line news and I said something. But one of the things I had said is don't be surprised if teams don't make an offer to Chicago. And the reason I didn't form a big opinion is because when I had heard it eight or nine weeks ago, it was right after the season. Remember when the story came out? I think it was right after the season when it was like Caleb's dad. He wants to restructure contracts. Mm-hmm. They don't want it. And I made one call, and it was like, that's nonsense. So, and then it was around that call, that time, that I heard, like, you know, they got some misgivings about Chicago. This, it's, is Ibra Flew's going to be there? It's, I'm not sure if we knew at the time. I think we did. We may not have. So I got a lot of different things at the time. And I think I may have mentioned it. There's some concerns. And then I didn't form anything on it because it was just sort of a, yeah, kind of a feeling. And so yesterday when I said it, I said, yeah, kind of, there's a little anti-Chicago. And it may have been too hot because they don't want to be painted as that. Caleb doesn't want to be a villain. He, 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 like he's, he knows there's no perfect spot to land. And so they were selling me last night, hey, there's a lot of good things about Chicago. Yeah, I was also told nine weeks ago, they got concerns about Chicago. I think both are true. Mm-hmm. There's nothing definitive. There is no perfect spot. I mean, seriously, did we think Houston would work out like that? No, there's, def- there's definitely no perfect spot. I've actually been making the case, though, Colin, that Chicago's a better spot for number one picks than any in recent history because they weren't the worst team in the NFL. They got gifted the pick. They have DJ Moore. They've got t- 10 cap space. They have the ninth pick overall. They've got a top 10 pick at right and tackle. That's Caleb- yeah, that's what Caleb's people said last night. They're like, it looks like Houston. It's kind of the now. What I said to them was, well, yes, but what I think people are forgetting is D'Amico Ryan's has a long runway to coach. If Eberflus goes one and four, he's in trouble. Yes, they could flush out the entire. This is what makes this job a bad job to me, a bad space. People say, what about Washington? Dan Quinn's got a four-year runway. What about Houston? D'Amico Ryan's has a runway. If Eberflus has a bad September, Caleb's on his second staff by year two, maybe by Thanksgiving. That's not good. 
in the history of the NFL, name the quarterbacks whose first coach was a disaster and they went on to riches. Yeah, no, we've, well, t- we've talked about Justin Herbert's about to happen right now with Jim that's, Harbaugh, and it'll be his right. third coach. And, by the way, and and that's right. It is that, that and, and it's taken, by the way, like four years or three years to get it right. This appears to be a very rare situation where finally the Chargers, after butchering the first two hires, get it right. right. It does appear like that, and you're right. That's a great comp. Are the Bears going to hire? Like, I'll, I'll throw a name out to you. I think Vrabel pulled himself out after the Chargers weren't interested. I think Vrabel said next year there's going to be seven quarterbacks available potentially, and one of them could be Caleb. And it, I think Vrabel next year is going to enter. Philadelphia, Dallas, both could have new coaches. Buffalo, sorry, you can't keep losing home playoff games as a favorite with Josh Allen. Um, Derek Carr, uh, Dak Prescott. So next year, there's six, seven up to Trevor Lawrence. What if Doug Peterson can't turn that around? He's out. Yeah, so I think Caleb if Caleb Williams. is, I think if Caleb is as good as he is, the Bears' job will be attractive, and he'll either make Eberflus win or he'll make someone else win. What we're trying to figure out is if we're going to be faced with a situation that was Elway or Eli. No, and- no, 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 no. So I was told, I was told last night, Caleb does not want to be a villain. He he doesn't want to be a villain. He knows there's no perfect landing spot. The concerns I was told eight, nine weeks ago, I'm not backtracking. They're real. Right, but if the Bears want to draft Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams is fine being a Bear? Yes, he won't pull. He won't. I, if I was his agent, I would, I would, I think I would voice concerns about, I don't have the confidence Chicago talk show hosts have about Chicago. They've had one winning season in 11 years. They haven't had a top 15 offense in a decade in a league that's trying to create parity. They break the system. They've never had a great quarterback. Jay Cutler, I think, is your all-time leader. He'd be like the Packers' fourth-best quarterback. There's no disputing any of that. But that was true about the Bengals before Burrow, and it was true true on some level about Kansas City before Mahomes. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, but they they were thought to be mess. Boomer Esiason, MVP, Carson Palmer, great. Uh, Kenny Anderson, they had hit, they had had very good offenses and very robust quarterback play. The Bears have never had a great quarterback. Now we know, ever. we know that, but, 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 you know, the current situation with the Bears, it, it is, it is a good one. I, I'm curious if like, it, it, do yeah, you, I dispute that? I don't think it's a good one. Oh, oh, but, but they have a really good number one wide receiver. They have a growing offensive yeah. line. Um, they've okay. got a really yeah. good, a really good offensive coaching staff that they just hired. Uh, oh wait, time out. Let's let's slow down. That staff gets blown out if they don't win ten games next year. I don't necessarily agree yeah. with that. Well, what, what do you think the next coach is going to keep them? Nobody does that. No, but it, they they could promote the offensive coordinator or promote Thomas Brown, who was an assistant and head so coach under McVay. There's another unproven coordinator as a head coach. That's the answer. That that definitely listen. I wanted them to fire Matt Eberflus and hire Jim Harbaugh or hire Ben Johnson so ask, that they would ask a- yourself this. Yeah. Ask yourself this. In 2021, 12 wins by offensive coaches in the playoffs. One playoff win by a defensive coach. In 2022, yeah. 12 playoff wins by offensive coaches. One by defensive coaches. Andy Reid, Shanahan either wins this year 9 and 4. Defensive coaches aren't winning. 
the last 10 coaches in the Super Bowl all offensive. You have the only defensive coach in the lame duck season in the division. LeFleur's excellent. Kevin O'Connell's excellent. Look at this league right now. Reed, Jim Harbaugh, McVay, Shanahan, Peyton, Stefanski, Shane Steichen, Mike McDaniel, Matt LeFleur. These are elite offensive coaches who are taking backups in some cases to the playoffs. Matt LaFleur's 10 and 28 with Justin Herbert. He's three and 12 in division that mm-hmm. we don't know if your president's good. Your GM could be your coach on the hot seat. You can't win in division. The, the Packers and lions are stacked offensive teams in an offensive league. The Bears are still celebrating the 85 Bears at games. <laughs> you, you are preaching to the choir on the offensive coach v. defensive coach, and you are preaching to the choir on serious questions about Eberflus. I, all I want to know is that Caleb Williams, if they draft him, is willing to come here. And, yeah, Caleb, and, and, and yeah, McIntyre yeah. said yesterday, Colin, when you were doing that, because we played the audio – He's like, you're sitting on stuff. And people want to be like, you're a hot take guy. You're just doing this for attention. And I'm like, Colin knows everyone in the league. He knows USC. He's at the games. So I immediately gave that credence, and it was informed. And when McIntyre said you were sitting on stuff, I was like, oh, God, what else are you sitting on from from Caleb's camp that we don't know? So please let me sleep at night and tell me what you were sitting on. How about that? Yeah. So, no, I mean, he said I was sleeping on stuff. And I said, yeah, I don't. Guys, you do this. I do this. I don't report everything I know. Of course. You don't report. I have, sort, I, have a, I have a friend right now. Like, for instance, when Tom Telesco got the job um, with the Raiders, he had it 36 hours before. Tom's my friend. I'm not going to put that out there. He, he asked me, I'm going to call me, he said, I'm going to take the job. I wasn't going to, I would have broken the story. I didn't break the story because Tom's a friend. He had a family. He had people to tell. When you know when I when I broke the story on Brady to the Buccaneers, I had to go through it for ten minutes. I went with that because it was a very trusted friend, and he told me I could go for it. But you guys, I mean, I have a story right now I'm sitting on. Yeah. Why? Because I don't want to burn a source. So we all have, you know, you you accumulate no more bees with honey than vinegar. Okay. I don't report everything I know on Caleb. When the stuff came out about Caleb, um, uh, what was the yeah, the stuff came up about his dad's going to break break this and that? I, I went on and said nonsense. There's been so much like that he want that he wants equity in a team. That, I I downplayed all of that. Right. Okay. But I was told after the season there's stuff that worries him. He's the best prospect since Elway. Yes. Yes, he's worried. They have the only defensive coach in the division. The roster's got a great, a bona fide number one. He likes the deep. I was told last night, Chicago's a big, loud, pressurized city. Loves that. Jordan, Bulls, he likes that. I was told he thinks the defense is really good. He doesn't have to win by shootout. He loves DJ Moore. He thinks the O-lines gets, is better than people think. He doesn't think it's a disaster, but yes. And, and I said this to somebody. If Caleb was your son, and he was the number one lawyer or whatever. He was the number one tech guy or whatever in the market. And he had to go, right? He didn't have choices. He had, he had limited. Wouldn't you be like, 
yeah, this company doesn't win a lot. Absolutely. We've talked about that kind of thing for a lot of years, like the player empowerment and the NFL being the NFL draft being something that isn't fair makes all the sense. I, I think, Colin, this kind of conversation is incredibly valuable for our listeners and yours and your viewers in terms of media literacy, because you know stuff. We get told stuff and then you use it or you don't use it and things like that. And people don't understand. So this is helpful. You do know stuff about Caleb. So we we understand. Do you ever consider prefacing a take with this is just me speculating or oh, I say say literally every. Yeah, I mean, guys, one of the things. Yeah, I mean, listen. I work at a company that got sued for billions of dollars for questioning voting. So <laughs> I'm very and I I'm very aware of I say this all the time and, and one of the reasons my show works on radio and TV and simulcast mostly don't with sports radio. But I'm always really proud that I'm doing a three hour radio show on TV. PTI is a huge hit. I'm six times longer. I'm doing a solo show. So I always say I'm I'm Steph Curry. I miss shots. I, this is a, I'm not like Jay Glazer with a 90-second Sunday report where I have to get every word right or Tom Rinaldi with an essay. I'm shooting shots. I try to preface stuff constantly. I'll say, this is my opinion, or I've been told this. I don't know. Very rarely do I say definitively blank, blank, blank. And when I get it, I say it. I said this morning as I did this rant, I said, guys, I got a call from Caleb's camp. And they went, Colin, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't hate Chicago. Because Caleb doesn't watch any of this stuff or listen. But Caleb was told by his cousins or buddies, oh, coward said you. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think we what texted happened, the clip we- to Carl Williams, Colin, because we're trying to get him on. We're like, what the hell's going on? Are you not coming to Chicago? And he's like, talk to our publicist. <laughs> so his dad, I think, runs a little, he's a big personality. Caleb's not a big personality, he's just a great kid. Really self-aware, bright kid, really emotional, all about winning. But I, I think sometimes the quarterback dad thing, they can run hot. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not denying or backpedaling at all. There were some concerns I was told eight, nine weeks ago, like, hell, man, it's, this has got to work. That probably mostly came from what I was hearing from maybe a dad side of it. And maybe I was too hot on it yesterday. But that's why today I came out and said, hey, let me, you know, they called. I try to give people the latest information I have, like Danny, one of the things I think you and I talked about once off the air is that I've never understood the premise that you shouldn't flip-flop. And I always say this, if you were going to get on a flight and the pilot said, listen, we got new information. We're not going to take off for 15 minutes because I don't want to go straight up into a lightning storm. Would you be like, nope, (laughs) I want the initial radar yesterday and we're going to stick with it. If you went to a hospital and they came in and said, listen, your surgery with your eight-year-old daughter, we're going to try something here because we've got new information. Would you say, nope, just stick with what you're going to do? We live in a new information society. So when I get it, I give it to the audience. But but I have to fill three hours a day, and if I have information, I say, this is what I think. Yeah. Sometimes people react to what I say and say, hey, Colin, can you kind of sandpaper it a little bit? That can-? And I'm like, okay, and then I'll give you that information. I'm never somebody afraid to go, hey, here's the latest thing I have. It, it's, it's, I said this yesterday. I still believe this. Here's what, here's what I have today. I don't think that's backpedaling. It's just new information. And I said this today, like um, not to eat up your show, by the way. I'm eating up your – you have commercials. I'm sorry. I, I apologize to your advertisers. You're, please. Please don't apologize to okay. them. Yeah. 
Okay. So, okay. I'll accept so the apology said, on their behalf. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> so I said this today on my show. I said, the reason the Niners keep ending up in NFC championships with different quarterbacks is because they're never concerned about being right. They're concerned about getting it right. So Garoppolo, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, if Purdy sucks in the Super Bowl, they'll draft another quarterback. The Giants are trying to be right. So they double down on a quarterback they reach for. Programs, a complete franchise, abyss. I am a believer in, I tell you what I know. People react to what I know and what I say. I have no problem going, hey, I'm going to do more homework on that, or I got new information. What I was told nine weeks ago was there was concerns about Chicago. I think over time, Caleb's done a lot of homework. They're trying to be more reasonable, and he does not want to – he's not comfortable being a villain. It's not who he is. But this stuff's fluid. Information's fluid. It's – and by the way, I still have a show to do. You still have a show to do. I've had people call – I've never had anybody call and yell at me, a source. But I had a source last year on something completely whiff. And I said, yeah, I whiffed on that. I haven't had that happen to me a lot. But uh, I'm not bad. Nine weeks ago, I think there was real concern about Chicago in that camp. And I think now they just don't want to be painted as we hate Chicago. They, well, they, 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 see it, they see an avenue with Chicago. It looks like Houston. But I would argue that Detroit and Green Bay are better than people in Houston's division. I think Green Bay and Detroit are stacked rosters. Well, next time you talk to him, tell him that Burrow and Lawrence and Luck all walked into the worst team in the league when they drafted him. He's walking into a seven-win team in the easier conference for an iconic franchise that reveres the 85 Bears that's never had a 4,000-yard passer, never had a 30-touchdown quarterback, and he immediately becomes the best quarterback in franchise history, and he will own the best city in the world if he's even half the quarterback he's supposed to be. Will you tell them that for me, Colin? Well, I, I just was on the phone earlier today after my show with one of Caleb's people, and so... You know, he, 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 this thing is, he's kind of taking a life of its own. He doesn't care. He doesn't stay on. He's off Twitter. He, when he posts something, somebody on his small, he doesn't have an entourage, his small team does. But it's, listen, we got until April, what is it, 24th? 20, when's the draft? April 24th? Yeah, it's the third week of April. This I will tell you. The Bears will get multiple calls for the pick. Sure. That I will definitively, <laughs> absolutely, say right now yes. they will get calls multiple for that pick do not be surprised if it's not at least five uh, no doubt it, especially because they've got fields as an option and all the other quarterbacks so it, as we live with this up until then i'm trying to figure it out do we think that was it caleb with the concerns was it the dad with the concerns is caleb less concerned is his dad less concerned do we have to worry about his dad strong arming the situation and creating an eli uh situation well, like can you clear no, any of that up for us yeah caleb controls it caleb's gonna do what caleb wants to he's very strong right like caleb's not gonna let anybody control him dads are dads I, do I believe the concerns are more heated from his dad's side? Yeah, yeah. But it's also Caleb's career, and there are no there are no reboots very rarely in this league. But I was told today when I asked him, he, he said he, he's not going to do an Elway. He just doesn't. That's not 
what he, they're not redoing the league structure. He doesn't want to pull an Elway. If they draft him, he's he's going to go. But I don't think I I don't think I you know I think you guys view Chicago as a much better landing spot than I do and people around the league do because I think if Ibraflus gets off to a bad start in an offensive league, I think the staff gets blown out. They can say they won't, but one in six in Chicago talk radio. You're done. I think that's definitely possible. And I like listen, listen, man. I want Caleb to save the Bears from themselves. That's what I. That's what that's I am rooting right. for. Yes. Like like Burrow saved the Bengals from being the Bungles. That is the rooting interest here, at least from this talk show host. Yeah, I think I think he's good enough to do it. Um, I think the only thing you and I disagree with. I don't think the situation's as good as you view it. I I think. It's hard to have one winning season in 11 years in the NFL. That is hard. It really is hard to that because that means you're going to have multiple chances at a quarterback and multiple chances with a coach. You'd think you'd nail a few. Trust right? me. Like, Tr- trust me. We've been living it. Yeah, you th- you think you nail we nail more of a few. They should have drafted Mahomes. They drafted Trubisky. Uh, I got one more thing to say to you, Colin Coward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for wanting to hire me three years ago. That was a big deal to me. Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, I did. Uh, I I think I offered you, didn't I? Yeah, no, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. No. Yeah, yeah. That's well, why. I, that's why I said don't have to apologize to advertisers <laughs> or bosses or anything like that, or else you know we'd still be doing stuff. That's all I'm saying. Well, you, just because I offered once doesn't mean I won't offer twice. That's all I'm saying. Hey, My hey, man. Hey, hey Colin. Um, I remember once when I was working for Sporting News Radio, and I was living in Los Angeles. I was walking my dog, listening to you on the radio. And you made an analogy about getting called up to the big leagues. And you were at ESPN Radio at the time, and you said, you know, if you work for Sporting News Radio, you want to get the call to ESPN Radio. And I I wanted to punch you in the mouth through the radio at the time, sir. But I don't don't know. Now you're in Chicago, and you've done well. By the way, I'm not trying to be glib. The Sporting News Radio still exists. Uh, It has been in decay. Uh, I believe it's something. It became Yahoo Sports Radio and then SB Nation Radio. So the answer is no. It might (laughs) in some form or fashion. Sounds like the answer is no. But we deserved the shot at the time, I'll admit. Colin, thank you for the time today. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good weekend. That's Colin Cowherd of The Volume and Fox Sports 1. Let's react to that, you and I, shall we? Sounds like a good thing to do. 312-644-6767. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Honored to be on their show earlier today. Danny and Matt do an excellent job interviewing people. Afternoons on the score. All right, well, that was interesting on a number of levels. Text line, Twitch, Twitter, all fairly polarizing. I think it's pretty clear that he is connected to the Caleb Williams world and is not just throwing things out there, which was the allegation of so many people, media, fans, bloggers. Like that was the that was the thing that pissed me off the most yesterday. We were getting hit with you guys used an hour of your radio show uh, to, react to react to something that Colin Coward said about Caleb Williams and the Bears. Yeah, I think it's un- yeah, it's undoubtedly the number one thing that we just accomplished. I hope is proving to the listeners that there is a connection there. He is a USC booster, basically, who has talked to people and does talk to people. 
and got that eight or nine weeks ago from somebody. From who is vague? I tried to pin it down towards the end. But that number one thing to establish is that he is connected and there is info. And, of of course, there are different thoughts within uh, a player and, uh, you know, a player who sometimes talks or doesn't. What did he reference? His, His manager? His trainer as part of the USC staff and his dad. He referenced like three people uh, adjacent who may have told him things. So I think that that was the number one thing that was necessary to get out there for the credibility of the person that we are talking to and to split between what your feelings are of Colin Cowherd, the talk show host and opinionist, versus his authority as someone who knows things about this subject. The other thing. He doesn't want to pull an Elway. If they draft him, he's going to go. End quote. That, that's the headline. Yeah, but I don't know how definitively I believe that necessarily. He, because, he, because there's... there's I, 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 I don't know. Well, it, but that, th- that, that's what he said here. That's, that what, he that's did, what he said. That he didn't say on his show. Right. And he said that he talked to someone in their camp that... Told him that. That's true. That's true. So, wh- so whoever that was who talked to him last if night, if that source is accurate, <clears throat> uh-huh. it's like. But but here's here's the thing. Obviously, that, that could change between now and then. They could get blown away with the trade off or all that stuff. Of course, there, there there's a point that I really want to want to make sure we understand. I think and I think we do. His dad has helped slash controlled slash enabled Caleb's life and career. For a long, long time. And if you read the chapter in Quarterback Dads, Teddy Greenstein's book, it has been a partnership since Caleb was 10 to be the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. And they've worked on all this together. The dad has a ton of power. Does he have as much power as he thinks, as he wants? I don't know. And I don't think Colin knows either. I think when he would talk about it, He's understanding that that dynamic is what has to be worked out here. I'm reminded, of course, of Lonzo Ball and LaMelo Ball. And those guys eventually rose up and took control of their own career. I'm also reminded of a million other people who did not. Todd Marinovich did not rise up and take control of his own career. Who knows what the hell's going to happen, even up to draft day, with his dad trying to wield power that may be different from what the son feels. That is, that's the human dynamic that Colin doesn't know all the bits and pieces about of course but he knows it's the issue so that's that's why I mean this is going to be interesting and kind of wild for a couple of months a very important thing that I think is being missed here okay just because Caleb allegedly reportedly says that he doesn't want to pull an Elway and reset the league and he will come to Chicago if he's drafted here doesn't mean he wants to just because he will come here that's why we mute the phone lines, by the way, entire staff. Just because he wants to come here or, or will come here doesn't mean he wants to. I don't want someone who's not all in on Chicago. And it, it, regardless, like, we can play the telephone game. That, and it, but, it may start somewhere, and then the story gets mixed along by the time Colin gets here. But you're playing it because that's what the interview's for. Ryan Poles has to find out that exact thing. Is he all in? Because maybe he is all in, and he doesn't care, and he's great. He's like, yeah, Chicago's great, especially once he talks with them. And it's the dad who isn't. You know what I mean? We don't know exactly who it is. That's exactly right. We don't know. And... Eight or nine weeks ago, to use Colin's words, does that line up with basically when the Bears got the number one pick? Yeah. 
basically, basically. right? They, they got locked into the number one pick in what, week 16? 16 or se- 17, I think, officially. 16 de facto, 17 officially. Right. So that week 16, 17, 18, wild card, division, championship Sunday. Mm-hmm. This is the week between. So this is this is seven weeks from when they got locked in to that pick. So and, he's obviously estimating his timeline of, of when he heard that. But they also the Bears were the odds on favorite for weeks and weeks before they got locked in to getting the number one overall pick. So and what could have been like Wait, I'm looking it up. I'm looking up Bears. I'm Googling Bears quarterbacks. Oh, man. You You don't have to go back that far. Collins is going back that far for fun. And I dispute some of the things about going back that far because regimes change and and bosses change and circumstances change. Well, there are a lot of people that believe the Bears will never have a good quarterback because it's the Bears. But all you got to do is live in the present, man. We know tons of people who believe that Justin Fields has been done wrong. Tons of yes. people believe it. You think, I mean, I believe he's been done wrong. You think Cam Newton and Caleb Williams have never interacted? We know how Cam Newton feels. He's right. vocal. You think Caleb Williams has never heard what Cam Newton has had to say about the Bears? No, it's a great point. And, and, like, all these people that are voicing it out there, these former players and some current players, and he's, here's the Bears players themselves. Caleb, uh, you know, understandably from the outside, probably thinks that, you know, or might think that Justin Fields has been done wrong. You got to explain everything to him. All right, let's take some calls. 312 644 6767. Garrett in the South Burbs is on Parkinson Spiegel. Garrett, congrats. You get to follow Colin Cowherd. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, I've heard, I heard the interview, and uh, good afternoon, fellas. I've heard the interview, and I, what I have to say is this I know Danny wants Caleb here. I've heard it for weeks and weeks and weeks how bad you would like to have Caleb Williams be in Chicago as a quarterback. I am of the alternative. I hope Caleb doesn't want to come to Chicago. And here's my reason why. My reason why is because, as Colin said, we do have a pension for not doing well with the quarterback position. I've been a Bears fan ever since 1972. And I've never seen a real good quarterback in my lifetime for the Chicago Bears. Now, do I think Caleb has the potential? Yes. But I also think that uh, Justin has the potential given the right circumstances. So I would rather see Justin have an opportunity to be the quarterback that he could be as opposed to going out and get a rookie and going through the same situation but, all but, over again. But, but, but your historical cynicism based on, on your life since 1972 should affect Justin the same as it affects Caleb, right? I mean that like it's, it's so with all due respect, Garrett, the historical cynicism, it's not as relevant as you think it is. It's just not. Regimes change. Ryan Poles is different. These coaches are different. Like unless, unless you believe that the logo and the laundry and the stadium and the practice facility are cursed. Uh-huh. Then it is irrelevant. Right. It's just not as relevant as you think. And now, so that it comes down to the current regime and the current coaches, and it comes down to the difference between Caleb and Justin as and, players. And listen, Colin's point about, hey, Eberflus, lame duck coach, could, staff could be blown out, multiple systems in multiple years. You know that you work every day with someone for four hours that shares that exact fear, which is why, given that they got the number one pick, I thought they had to fire Eberflus. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I don't dismiss that as a potential oh, no. serious impediment to developing and hitting on this quarterback. You can say continuity, leadership, 
culture, seven wins. It's not just the quarterback. You can make the case as you have, but like that is a real concern. A- absolutely. That, and I, so and like, if Caleb has that concern, understandable. It is, of course, understandable, and, and he probably would want to meet Matt Eberflus. Absolutely, and so he, <laughs> and he will. So he needs to meet Matt yes. Eberflus. He needs to meet Shane Waldron. He needs to meet Thomas Brown. He needs to meet Kerry Joseph. And like, hey, by the way, you're coming into a really good spot. These people know what they're doing. We're really looking forward to working with you. Ask them anything you want. You right. know, and, and so you you are providing a better nest than he realizes, and it's your job to tell him. Look, man, I totally concede. Every time we have that conversation, ideally, you're better off with an offensive coach. Hundred percent, I completely concede that. That's not who you have right now, and they decided, and I can I understand it. Not worth firing Eberflus to facilitate that. If and on if that co- we disagree. If it costs him, Caleb. I will disagree louder than I've ever disagreed with anything before. Understandable. More reaction coming, Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Twitch and YouTube wants to see Whitey. Come on over here, Whitey, say hello. What's up, Wendy City? Afternoons on the score. I wanted to punch you in the mouth (laughs) through the radio at the time, sir. Yeah, was that cool to be able to say to Colin Cowherd? It was amazing. I I forgot about that. I've told you that story before, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like literally two hours after my shift at Sporting News Radio. I got that guy telling me, if you're at Sporting News Radio, you're waiting for the call up. I'm like, oh, God, he's right. That sucks. All right. Well, I'll do a good show tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And listen, man, oh, I mean, I, man. I, you you guys were all working. I was working with you when, when that thing happened. Volume just turned three. Yeah. Uh, two days ago, three days ago. Well, I was supposed to be one of his first hires, and then it it, it didn't happen. Big, what happened specifically? Big I things coming. I can't say all of the specifics, but because big things still could be coming. As Shane. you just heard from Colin, he said, "I offered you once. Nothing says I can't offer you again." Damn straight. But no, I mean, listen. It's one of the great, devastating moments of my career to not being able to take that job as uh, an and with this job, and it's the fifth star on the Chicago flag. It's the fire, Fort Dearborn. The Great Exposition, the World's Fair, <laughs> the hot dog, and Danny not going to volume. <laughs> I wanted to do it with this Is that job. More than five? It was supposed to be with, and then it wasn't. That was the it, fifth. It, it okay, was, that was the fifth one. I, the sixth is is Manny's, right? It's, it's no, for it's Manny. golden shoes. Uh, <laughs> golden, golden, golden. I mean, the guy. Okay. <laughs> Uh, which call should we take here, Shane? Uh, Always go to Shad. Always default to Shad if he's on hold. All right, Shad. Wow, look at that. That's a great endorsement from Shane. Yeah. Congrats, Shad. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I was cleaning up these red flags in my car. Hey, Shane, how you doing, man? <laughs> hey, A lot of hey, red flags you. is what you're saying. Go on. Yeah. Man, man, look, the, the one hope I got for you, bro, is the thing you ended your, your spot with Kyle Hurd with was in terms of pitching Caleb his dream of being the greatest quarterback of all time, and that's winning the Super Bowl here and being the reason for it. That's his only hope. But too many red flags, bro. I'm already moved on. We got got to. In your bones, if you're a Bear fan, there's nothing about right now in this moment that you could say honestly. I want that guy leading my team next year. You can't feel that way. And if, if We don't know that he feels how, that way, Shot. Well, it well, might no, just no, no, be no, his no, controlling listen. dad, man. We'll, you don't know. Well, Speeds, well, my thing is this. Before you know someone, what do you know? The representation, right? When you go out to your club, right, how do you pick the bars and the spots and event shows that you go? It's the presentation, the aesthetic. You can see yourself there. 
when you put when you put the vision of Caleb as a quarterback in the Bears, most of the fans right now don't feel like they can support that. Not mm-hmm. to say that they haven't met this guy; they can't be won over. This fan base knows what they want out of a quarterback to win the Super Bowl for them. Justin tucks enough marks for people to give every excuse in a book until they can't. Same thing that happened with Jay Cutler. So what I'm saying is the only hope that this Bear fan Civil War is going to have is if this guy's hope is to win a Super Bowl here, and that would justify his claim to being the greatest of all time. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Big. Say, red flag cleanup on you, man. Get out of here, Sean. Thank, Thank you, Sean. you, Have a good weekend. You know what it reminds me of? When Derrick Rose, as he's talking, when Derrick Rose got to the Bulls and it was all about Reggie Rose, it was all about his brother, it was all about, you know, the representation. Like, oh, do we know Derrick? Do we get to know Derrick? I mean, th- th- turning pro could be a-, a changing point in this kid's life where he frees himself from a controlling dad in, in some ways that he hasn't been able to do. Or he might not. Like that relationship, you got to get inside that relationship. In your interview process, in your investigative process, you got to know exactly what you're dealing with. And, man, it, it, it's confusing. I, I, I want to say one thing. Sure. Eight or nine weeks ago, when Colin Coward got the info, and we don't know who it was from, that he was a little worried about the Bears, was during the Bears' bye week. That would have been December 1st, was nine weeks ago. And December 10th was the next game. So it was then that they came back, beat Detroit, lost to Cleveland, beat Arizona, beat Atlanta, lost to Green Bay. So at that time, Justin and the Bears had just beaten the Vikings 12-10. So that doesn't have some of the info about how well the defense played, how well the team played, and how poorly Justin played in some of those games, if Caleb can see it. So it's just an interesting timestamp there. Yeah, I mean, it it was an up-and-down, inconsistent season. Sure was. So whenever you took a snapshot of it, it's been very different depending on when you really did the deep dive. Mike is on the score. What up, Mike? What's up, fellas? Hey, I'm I'm going back to a little bit about what Shane said earlier. Do you think, question for you guys, if if any of the people – that the Bears drafted last year, that those people were like, yes, I'm in the NFL, or you think they were like, yes, I'm on the Bears. I don't think anybody was, that was their first choice or where they wanted to be. It's an, uh, it's an interesting question. You yeah, don't, the, you don't the, get to make the choice for the most part. Right, exactly. That's the difference. C- Caleb is in a different situation than Darnell Wright is in. Darnell Wright is competing against... Who are those tackles that we were? Uh, Broderick Jones, who went to the Steelers. I, 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 who, help me out. Whoever those guys were, like, it, you know what I mean? It was, it was like four different guys, and none of them were going to be top five picks. And we were li- li- talking about all the names. And was it Dewan Jones, Big Thanos? Yeah, One of those yeah, guys yeah, 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 exactly. So like, those guys are just like. Pick me. Yay. Pick me. Pick me. Pick Yay. me. Pick uh, me. Yay, I have a team now. Give me it, the hat. It's more money. It's more millions. It's whatever. Right. They don't have that kind of leverage. Caleb has that power. He's made more money. He's been better. He's going number one. He he has more leverage than basically everybody else has. Yeah. Jim, Lake in the Hills on the score. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, guys. Uh, look, enjoy the show. Not calling to argue. Just wanted to ask a question that I, I've been pondering. You know, I listen to, and I know that these kind of stories drive ratings, and that's cool. And, like, that cowherd um, segment was good. It's just, like, do people really care this deeply about the inner workings of what happens with, like, what's going on in that kid's life right now to where you guys, it's like the littlest thing. It just gets 
beat over a head. And like, I, I love your guys show. It's all good. But is that really what it is? Or, do you, or did, is it the ratings that push you guys to just continually talk and talk and talk? I just can't believe people care this deeply. I, think about, people... I mean, I've heard people use the words devastated <laughs> and crushed. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> that, okay. that sounds like, like something I would say. Cool. I, I, like, I'm a big, big sports fan. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? But at, at a, it, but I've just at that point, I'm, I'm 47 now. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan still, but not like I was where I would be, use those words or like, be so sad anymore but like i get it i'm just more curious if it's like the ratings thing no no let me fair question very very fair question let me respond since you're closer to my age um you know or i'm closer to yours or whatever I, i i think we know now that the stuff bucket for a quarterback is number one in terms of predicting future success and you don't know it when you're scouting, it's just really hard to know. And we also coincidentally know that Justin Fields' stuff bucket is overflowing in terms of who he is as a person. And we don't know that stuff about Caleb. So I think it's legitimately interesting and massively important, all these details about his life, I got to say. Also, the Bears are the one thing in the city that all sports fans care about. You don't all care about the Bulls. You don't all care about the Cubs. You don't all care about the White Sox. So they are the great unifying force. None of the other teams are good. And the Bears have the number one pick in a massively fascinating draft. And it is quarterback. So, yeah, part of it is that this it is the biggest story in town. That the, the team that the most people care about has the number one yeah. pick in a celebrity quarterback draft. Yeah. So, like. It, it is also good business for us to talk about the Bears drafting number one. But if he wa- if Caleb Williams had the personality of Trevor Lawrence and like, there was no – it was just like – Or a, Justin Fields. Yeah, but, but I, I'm, just using, yeah, I, I'm just using him as the number one pick in the draft. Like, sure. There wasn't much controversy. He was basically getting married to his high school sweetheart. He was real quiet. It was like there was no, there was no fanfare about any of that. It, you know what I mean? Right. We, we'd still be talking about – Trevor Lawrence is about to be a bear and the bears are about to draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick damn near every day. We wouldn't We probably wouldn't be digging into little personal things about his life like this though, because as Rashad was just saying, he had to clean up the red flags in his car. You know, there are, there's, there's stuff out there that demands investigation. All right. We have a lot of things that we were going to do that we haven't. We have people who actually played with Caleb. We have Theo Epstein with a new job. We have Jim Harbaugh stuff. We're going to have a lot of crack slippers today. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Hello, Chicago! The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Everybody, we are live! Are you guys grinding or are you guys having fun? We're having a little fun. And here's the controversy. Listen, we love fun, right? Spend some time with our friends Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Yes. I'd want to be nowhere else but here. Parkinson Spiegel. They're amazing. <laughs> are they? But <laughs> yeah, are they? I go on the score and talk with uh, Matt and Danny. Yeah, Danny Parkins, one of the old-timers. Sometimes says uh, this is the show where things happen. It's a disgusting way to do talk radio. Danny and Matt do an excellent job. A little too much Parkins. We can erase it from the FCC. Strange twists and turns on the Parkinson Spiegel show. I don't know what's going on with any of it. We're the show where things happen. Everybody, Ice Cube! Cube, thank you for answering our text and putting up with our ridiculousness. Anytime, anytime. Bob Odenkirk. How are you guys doing? Mark Wahlberg's here. Chicago. Chicago, we love you, baby. Come on. Shane, wake up. Tanny, we got to have another little taste because Spigs is here. Yeah. Huh? <laughs>
Five o'clock somewhere. Every time I come on this show, old school great radio. Johnny B. I'm riveted to the score. It's the last bastion of talk radio. I mean, you guys are the best team in Chicago. Everybody knows that. Parkins and Spiegel, these guys are going to be incredible and amazing. And uh, they started talking over my promo for them at the beginning of the show. And here we go, Jim. Tony. Oh, Jim, we can start the show right now. been a day lot going on we talked about the bears stadium bombshell in crane's chicago business and then had to move on that's an insane called in it's an insane thing to have to move on from the bears real focus is the lakefront not arlington heights hey we'll uh vibe it up for you around here in a little bit to talk some baseball yeah let's talk some baseball about 20 minutes if there's time we need to talk about jalen johnson's swing in the Pro Bowl games last night. Oh, really? You need to help him on the golf course. Listen, I would love to play 18 holes of golf with Jalen Johnson. I am sure that you would. It was an absolute freaking debacle to watch oh, no, Jalen Johnson. Oh, no, I didn't see it. Yeah. I said in the promo today for today's show that you were going to scout the Pro Bowl for us. Yeah, I, I, I watched uh, some of the skills competition. The long snapping thing was cool, um, The it, 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 as always, but... And the accuracy, the quarterback accuracy thing, the Baker Mayfield one. But Jalen, our guy Jalen Johnson, he needs you. He could actually probably use me, frankly. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I could make his swing better. All right. No backswing of note, not much follow through, shanked to the right, maybe 100 yards. He was a good sport. He made contact. And the Pro Bowl teammates cheered for him, which tells you how low the bar was going got, in. Got some pity cheers. That's yep. never what you want. Not good. All right. So Colin knows stuff, shared it. People are interested or not. He's polarizing. That's fine. We have our opinions on it. It's the the great divide and the great debate right now among Chicago fans. Trade pick, build around Justin, draft Caleb, or trade Justin, trade pick, build around different rookie quarterback that doesn't come with some of the baggage of Caleb Williams. It's a much smaller sect of the audience, but uh, a percentage of it nonetheless. Do you want to hear from some people that indisputably know Caleb Williams? Because they played with him uh-huh. at USC, and they're also interviewing for jobs. That sounds good. Okay, Nicholas Moriano did a great job for CHGO. He was at the Senior Bowl, and he talked to three different dudes. Taj Washington, Marshawn Lloyd, Brendan Rice. Two uh, receivers and a running back. And let's just play some teammates who are interviewing for their own jobs about Caleb Williams. All right, here is wide receiver Taj Washington. Phenomenal player, as we all know, but even better person. Being able to see him every day, be the person he is, with so many distractions around him, and he's a great teammate, great, great person off, on and off the field. Funny, you know, guys like that. But you know, he knows how to compartmentalize well. Um, I feel like as a as a player and a person, you need to know how to do those things well. Where it's like when it's business time, it's it's, it's time to get down to business. I was very grateful to play with him. Is he deserving to be the number one overall pick? Of course. What makes you say that? If you got the opportunity to draft him, I mean, nothing else needs to really be said. I mean, you see it, you know it. Um, Anything that needs to be said, like, I don't know what you're thinking about. (laughs) The ability to compartmentalize with a lot of things going on around him from a wide receiver teammate who's watching him go about his business every day of practice and in the games. All right. Business time. That's an endorsement. It's business time. Right. That, sound, that sounds good. Yeah. Here is running back Marshawn Lloyd. Very consistent. Um, he 
he wanted everything exactly how it was supposed to be. And if it wasn't that way, you're going to keep doing it until you get it that way. He's a very consistent player. Um, he doesn't he doesn't take nothing. Like he doesn't take nothing. He wants the best for the team. He's going to work hard. He's going to push you. Super hard worker. Um, competitive. Very competitive. He doesn't want to lose in anything, no matter what it is. Very competitive. There's dodgeball, bubblegum chewing, anything. It's, it's, he's a very competitive person. Is there a specific example that you remember where he wanted to get the best out of you on like a rep, something in practice, something stand out from a time like that? Uh, well, every day after we leave, um, after we like finish stretching and everything, the quarterbacks and a couple of the running backs race to get to the, the next spot. I don't race because I don't want to waste my breath. But Caleb race every day against somebody. He just start running. Everyone else start running with him. They try to race to it. And as well as uh, we had a, a dodgeball game, a team bonding moment. And Caleb, you know, Caleb's a quarterback. So he, that's kind of my team ended up winning. But we end up beating Caleb's team. But just how mad he was over a dodgeball game just shows you, like, how, how much he loves to win. That is awesome. I mean, first of all, the legendary dodgeball stories in the Bears locker room. Oh, yeah. Right back in the day. Briggs and Peanut and Erlacher and Olin and and Till and Pat. Right. So right there, that's fun. And, but, and by the way, there was a dodgeball event at the Pro Bowl last night. Derrick Henry destroying people in dodgeball. That's fascinating. I'm your Pro Bowl guy. <laughs> you, you always have to. I'll cover the flag football Sunday. Get back to you Monday. Thank you. Um, Caleb Williams hates dodgeball, I heard. He the, just, mo- the movie? We just played the, the, the thing. We just played the thing where he, he was great at it. It's false. I got it from Collins' guy. Okay. <laughs> you gotta get angry. You gotta get mean. That's the only way you can play. Dive. Drinks his own urine because it's sterile and he likes the taste. Uh-huh. Dive, dip. Somebody dodge, once made duck, him drink his dive. own blood. Yeah. Or bleed his own blood. Excuse me. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> Nobody. We're quoting the movie Dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have fun with movies. Um, what were we talking about? Caleb Williams. Dodgeball. Co- yeah. co- competitive. Sure. Also, right? It's an anecdote that's going to be fun. He races his teammates after practice. Yeah, and the bubble gum contest. What's that about? Is that like chewing? Like about bubble blowing? I'm or not like sure. How long you can go? I, I, I didn't know where he was going with that one. I don't, but I understood the racing and the dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understood those two. I things. got lost with the bubble gum. Okay, for well, a while. two out of three. Okay. It's not bad. Uh, here's receiver and USC teammate Brendan Rice. What was it like playing with Caleb Williams? How would you describe him? Game changer. What, what about him? Like, he's a game changer. Okay. I, I like to leave it at that game changer. He's a dog, man. Like, he's going to push you. He's going to make sure you're going to go out there each and every day and give it all your all. How does he do that exactly? What is it that he does that gets the best out of you? He's going he's gonna to ask of it from you. If you don't give it to him, hey, guys have fallen this year. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's so great. Great job again by CHGO for having Nicholas Moriano down there, and he did a great job tracking down all the USC guys and asking Caleb Williams questions. You know, it, it, it's important to, like, get some of that stuff and just have it as data points. Of course these guys aren't going to say something bad about their teammate, you know, as everybody's getting ready for the draft. But there's going to be a lot of specious, weird stuff out there. There's, you know, whether you feel that the coward stuff is that way or the thing that's been circulating about the former NFL scout who, like, talked about Caleb with concern. And really all he did was put together a bunch of the public specious red flags into one consolidated take yeah you know and and it, but it gave, it got a lot of credence for people it was like the echo of an echo of an echo that stuff is going to be out there so it, we got to keep collecting it 
So that we're going to promise you that we're going to keep collecting info about this guy, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And we'll make sure it comes from a, a decent source as best we can. Because yeah. it's important. I think it's important. Yeah, and listen, this idea of like, okay, they're his teammates. What, what, are, what are they going to say? Well, a lot of people want to point to the clip of the guy running out of the tunnel at USC saying, now we a team Yeah, right. Be- before the bowl game, assuming that that's about Caleb Williams, even though... I thought it was after the bowl game. I thought it was after the no, win. It's before the game oh. as he's running onto the field. Oh. Uh, and like, hasn't said that that's what it's about. It's just an internet clip that makes it... And like, So that's a teammate. Maybe that is a guy who didn't like Caleb. Maybe that's a guy who that... Who, uh, the last player that we... Brendan Rice said people got demoted. That's all I'm going to say about it because they didn't work as hard as Caleb wanted them to. Maybe that receiver wow. was a guy who like, I have no idea. That's interesting. I have no, you know what I mean? But so my point is, is that there's, I got I got to admit, I was thinking about chewing gum when he said that that's my oh, bad. No, it's okay. But like that. So these guys also, you can say, Oh, they're going to be biased and they're going to just be positive and they're interviewing for a job, but you're going to get stuff. You're going to get stuff in there. That doesn't mean that the anecdote of, He's crazy competitive and challenges the receivers to races after practice isn't a useful anecdote for sure in analyzing Caleb Williams. Like, yeah, of course. Like if you're interviewing someone for a job, you want to, and you got to call, they put references on a resume. It's pretty, it's understood that those references that are on the resume are probably going to say positive <laughs> things about them. doesn't mean you still don't call them and then judge mm-hmm. the sincerity of those answers for yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I've never, I've never put somebody who's going to give me a bad reference on it's, a resume. It'd be a weird choice. It'd be a weird move. It'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be a very, very strange choice. So, that's the. Uh, you want to hear the uh, the thing that was on the bottom third of that cowherd segment, the old clip? Yeah, because this I, is because this is this is again this is huge. This is from the Heisman Trophy season, uh-huh. and he comps himself, Caleb Williams, to oh I don't know. The most talented quarterback any of us have ever seen. Everybody watches Patrick and sees all the cool things he can do. And, um, I always said, even in high school, um, that I don't think there's anything, obviously, it's special, but I don't think there's anything that I can't do that he's doing out there. So, uh, you know, I think it's really cool, like I said. And, uh, I always I have comparisons of a bunch of other people. Uh, so to have Patrick is pretty cool. That's that's just healthy arrogance of, right? a, of a young quarterback. I, I think so too. Yeah, I think I think so too. I mean, the fact that that was the subject matter that kicked off the segment yesterday when Cowherd I, it was let old. The, like, let that was so fly, strange. There's not a lot there. Think about it from a talk show host perspective, right? There's not a lot there. It's old. We know that his partner doesn't give him a lot <laughs> to further the conversation. So a few minutes in. You're basically a solo host, and your mind wanders to this information you have, and you pull the trigger on something, um, and then have to take a phone call afterwards, admonishing you. It makes it makes it understandable, and it makes it, it you know, it, it shows that there is some knowledge there and some connection there. It's so funny to see all the. You're just a Caleb apologist. It's so obvious he doesn't want to be here. You're gonna cry when he isn't here. I, okay, I, that's fine. For the next, what, 10 weeks, they you all get to crow that way until on April 27th when Roger Goodell walks to the podium mm-hmm. and says with the first pick in the NFL draft, the Chicago Bears select from the University of Southern California, Caleb Williams. Yeah. 
and then I get to be right. So for the next 10 weeks, you're right. And then I'm right. So. <laughs> Tell you what, that was likable. Don't you guys think? <laughs> I'm just letting them know. I'm Shane, just saying, Tanny, you that was some likable stuff. You see these texts? I do. I'm just saying, they're not, they're not being very nice. <laughs> the text line? No, no way. No way. Yeah. The text line's not being nice, those virgin bitches. Oh, I'm hey, just saying. Hey, hey, I'm just hey. saying. So for the next no. 10 weeks. The price is doing business. For the next 10 weeks, they, 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 can, they can pretend that they're right. Count me among those who didn't know that Brendan Rice is the son of Pro Football Hall of Fame wide receiver Jerry Rice. Good genes. I didn't know that. His dad was a good competitor. M- Mississippi Valley State. There you go. Just a good competitor. Good. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty good. Just a solid competitor. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jerry Rice, man. I'll yeah. take understatements for 5,000. A few big catches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Never yeah. dated Taylor Swift, but a few, few big catches. Seriously. No. He was a pretty accomplished guy. Tanny, you did, right? You and Taylor? <laughs> for a while. She wrote a song about him. I had a Taylor Swift thought that, yeah, no, I probably not. What? Eh, probably not right Do you now. see how long, time-wise, she was shown on the TV? 44 it, seconds. 25 seconds. Was it 25? It depends on which game. It's, yeah, yeah, very, very little. The, the last one. The last one. Yeah, it was not a lot of time. I heard it was 14. I don't know. Somebody did the math. It wasn't a lot. No, I counted. He's <laughs> <laughs> sitting there with a stopwatch. Has she responded to Usher's imaginary phone call that I wanted her to make yet? No, <laughs> that right? has not happened. It hasn't no. happened. I, okay. I mean, it has been reported. Who knows? Maybe. She did give him her confession. Huh. And she has watched a okay, full replay whatever. of the game with Tony Romo on the call, and she wants to walk back what she said about Tony Romo. <laughs> I take it back. You're not very good at your job. That was, that was my mistake. Guys, uh, space movie night at home for me and the boy. Alien, gravity, cocoon, thoughts. I need some. I need some feedback I here. Seen any of them? Armageddon. The Fifth Element. Oh. Yeah, introduce the boy to Fickner. Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon. Armageddon. Um, Alien. Is that maybe a little too intense Could for be. the Roopster? Could be, but he likes the intense. All right. Well, give it to him then. <laughs> um, what about the Martian? I, he, no, we he saw. Did, we saw it. Yeah, loved said, the Martian. What were the choices again? I, I liked another one. In gravity. There. Gravity is very good. Very I, good. Chill. I think he might like gravity. Sandra I think that Bullock, might, right? Yeah, Sandra yeah. Bullock and George Clooney. Ninety-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Wow, it's a high number. Um, you you said Space Cowboys. Funny I, funny space movie yeah, with old people. Yeah, it's not like great, but for a twelve-year-old kid, and you will enjoy it. It's got uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Clint Eastwood, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, old people who go to space. Got to keep up with young astronauts yeah. to fix a satellite. We've watched a ton of them. You um, would enjoy it. Yeah. All right. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to look into your space, uh, space cowboys. But I'm thinking gravity. Have you guys seen High Life with Robert Pattinson? No. No. 2018, 82 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Have you seen Saltburn yet? Have any no, of you guys seen Salt? Oh, I won't do it. I, I need Danny to see it. You stop drinking I need, that bathwater, you weirdo. I need Danny to see it so we can talk about it. So Danny, try and watch that. All right, I'm going to try to watch it. I'm going to try to watch it. Right, Robert Downey Jr., Oscar-winning performance in Saltburn. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler. Yeah. Did you that. see I got backup on that today randomly from a guy on Twitter? He's like, oh, I totally see why that was a spoiler. No. You were totally right, Spikes. 12 followers. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right. It was a spoiler. I'd and like to relitigate that. Three of them that. are porn bots. As the Oscars get closer, I'd like to relitigate that. Maybe not on a Friday afternoon at 518. Anybody watching this Griselda on Netflix? <sighs> Sophia, what? Sophia Vergara. Yeah. I yeah. can't understand her. With like an evil turn, right? Well, yeah. Spoiler she plays, alert. a drug yeah. dealer? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, dude. What a it's, twist. It's in the description. 
I'm not giving anything away. I don't away. read descriptions before I watch the show. <laughs> My bad. Robert Downey Jr. had a big-time performance. Spoiler. Yeah. And I won't say what happens to Carol G. in the show. I won't give that spoiler. All right, out. good. All right. She related to Kenny at all? <laughs> Brandon. Brandon G. Who's that? He was, he was a basketball player for <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Ended. Pretty sure. Robert in Naperville. Hold on, dude. Let me pull up the phone screener. One second. I didn't know you were going there. Yeah, I let's take phone calls. Here we go. We talk to people. Robert, you're on the score. Hey, fellas. First of all, thank you guys for taking my call. Look, uh, about the coward stuff. I don't want to come off as ungrateful for him taking his time out of his day to correct the record. I really do appreciate uh, most of his commentary. It, it, it's okay. He'll Obviously. be fine. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a fan first. I get that. So there's a... Uh, the meatball gene in there, and um, it, and consequently, uh, meatball gene's actually hanging out with Neanderthal gene. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's go, yeah. Robert! Robert now this is the good stuff. Yeah, you're I'm all right. Don't I, let their lukewarm response deter you, Robert. That was awesome. <laughs> go, go. Fellas, I listen. If we that's the response to I actually listen to the show, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, you're uh, right. Thank you. What kind of meatballs, by the way, Robert? What kind of meatballs are you bringing to your Super Bowl party? What is Gene like? Oh, man, I mean... Oh boy. God, it's got to be something uh, ridiculous, right? If he's a Neanderthal, what? <laughs> Gosh, elk? That's not that ridiculous. Yeah. All right, move on, Robert. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> not an Epicurean. But uh, look, there's a real jaded outlook that's arisen lately. It's upset not just the Chicago sports side of my brain, but, you know, the, the thinky, thinky parts, too. So it's this idea that no matter what the Bears do, they're going to they're gonna Bears this up somehow. And it's, it's such lazy, reductive, magical thinking. Now, I can get that a belief in the law of averages can lead to, you know, clinging to the gambler's fallacy. But this moment has nothing to do with Jim McMahon. It has nothing to do with Jay Cutler and nothing to do with Sid Luckman. Thinking that is as illogical yes. as gambler's fallacy, especially when you consider the fact that, and it was even mentioned here today, the Bears have never had this kind of opportunity before. Not with this kind of talent on the roster as we speak, and not with this kind of quarterback prospect available. If you want to take a look at history, we can take a look at the fact that no team that's landed the first. Oh, sorry, guys. I mocked my dog. I'm losing my breath. <laughs> You're walking your dog no. so you lost your breath? Yeah. She's pulling real hard, Danny. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> hey, man. How big is your dog, The Robert? love of a dog is everlasting, Robert. You know that. It's, it's not the size. It's, it's the vigor. She's one year old. How she's, big? She's a, she's a lamb. She's 60 pounds. Okay. All right. <laughs> well. But I, I think we should let Robert walk his dog. Right. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, we got the point. Thank, Thank you, Robert. Robert. Thank we, you very much. We appreciate Thanks, you. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> he almost lost his dog and his mind. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. I'm so sorry about Robert. I feel, I feel he personally was great. at fault. What are you talking about? There's I no, loved there's Robert. There's nothing wrong with that. I loved Robert. Real quick to the textures. We've seen Spaceballs and Interstellar and a lot of the movies that you're, you're sending in. I, I agree with his main point, though, that the cynicism of the Bears have never done it before, so that doesn't mean that they can't do it again. I like, Ryan Poles was, he's never tried. And he was in Kansas City when they did it with Mahomes. Yeah. So that's the one that matters. You know, it's not about, oh, man, you know, they, they didn't really maximize Rex Grossman 
or Jay Cutler. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, well, and I mean it's, just, it's just not relevant. I, I agree, and I tried to say it to Coward about the Bengals, and he said, no, wait a minute, they had Boomer Esiason. And they had he's talking about history. Ken Anderson, like, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But those their successes were in a different time with different coaches, and they were different kind of players, and the rules were different, I mean, yada, yada, yada. It's like, here, here, here we are. It reminds me, frankly, of the Cubs curse conversation because the real curse was bad ownership. And so now you could say Bears ownership is the same. So if you want to if you want to point to it in in that way, you can, but even a blind squirrel get finds a nut twice a day. Amen, Vinny Goodwill. Before we break, speaking of Vinny, uh, this guy's been on hold for two hours and eight minutes and oh. has no point related to what we're talking about right now. But can we go to Vinny in Utica anyway? Absolutely. Hi, Vinny. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Vinny. What's up? Well, I want to talk about uh, quarterback draft. I wanted McCarthy and McMahon, but the Bears went Bears and went cheap as usual. But there is a an actual McMahon? better option. A dream team draft quarterback and wide receiver from LSU. And there you go. Jaden Daniels. Damn, that sucked. I dropped And him. Malik Neighbors. Although a lot of people like the other wide receiver from LSU. Did uh, he mean Harbaugh? I think so. When he yeah. said McMahon? Yeah. Okay, t- I'm sorry. Typical confusion. I'm, st- I'm stuck on that one. Hey, man, times are tough. In Michael Utica. Johnson or something? I, some Something junior, right? The other receiver at LSU? From LSU, yeah. Yeah, the, something it, junior. It is, it is a junior. Uh, it's not Jerry Rice's kid. He's at USC. Everybody knows Juan that. Juan Uribe. Junior. <laughs> 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 All right, so he wants Jade, uh, Jaden Daniels. Daniels and Malik Neighbors. Yeah. Okay. He he wants to do the bur- right. the Burrow and Chase thing. He, he sure. right. Yeah. He, he sure. dreams of getting the the college teammates. Yeah. That, that I mean. Yeah. Um, someday, by the way, I'll get over the fact that Brian Joe, Thomas Jr. Brian Thomas Jr. Thank you. Someday I'll get over the fact that Joe Burrow played college football with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I bet against them. <laughs> of course you did. I hammered Clemson and Trevor Lawrence in that game. And you know what's messed up about football um, analysis is that with all of that, it's really easy to say, well, Burrow, you know, he came from. No, Burrow's great with with everybody that he has now. Yeah. Whether it's. Well, Game's great. Yeah, he's still he's, he's still great. Been in the AFC Championship game twice. Been in a Super Bowl yeah. once. He's excellent. Yeah. 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 All right, good, good this talk. is hard. Good this, is hard. Yeah, this is a hard thing to do. It's difficult. Theo Epstein has a new job. There's been a big trade within the Cubs division. Lots of uh, happenings in the wide world of baseball. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson Spiegel show flashback. 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 Theo Epstein. The fact that we can sit here and make trades and try to put a team together and then a bunch of really talented players go out and win a World Series and gives me that opportunity to connect with people on that level is pretty special. So thanks for all your support of me and the Cubs over the years from the station and look forward to continuing the dialogue from uh, not from the front row, not from the back row at Wrigley, but somewhere in between, I'm sure. So I'll, I'll see you guys at the ballpark and look forward to it. It's Theo Epstein in his exit interview with uh, with our show. Obviously, he had a great relationship with the station and we've had him on so many times. Obviously, that time when he walked out to the bleachers is one that you and I have referenced many times it was uh it was cool to have a very up close and personal seat to what he did in the transformation 
of the thing. Obviously, you were here for the whole run. I only came in in, in, in 17. I can also vouch for what a mediocre guitar player there you go. he is and uh, just how hard he goes at the after party and the after after party and the after 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 party. Well, now legendary. Now he's an owner, which is what he's always wanted to be. He joined the Fenway Sports Group as a part owner and senior advisor. So he's in on the ownership group that owns the Red Sox, Liverpool, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he's a minority owner in that, but he is taking a step towards ownership, which is what he's always wanted. I always thought that he and Vetter were going to get together um, and buy the Red Sox or the Padres and age with delight in San Diego. And maybe he and Eddie will still get together on some level. But, yeah, so the Red Sox, the hometown team, and his childhood friend, Sam Kennedy, is still the president of the team. Well, they hired Craig Breslow. Yes. Too, who he hired once upon a time. Yes. Uh, used to and played for him and also worked for him. Um, so, yeah, very, very comfortable and uh, exciting thing for him. Um, and an interesting, interesting legacy that guy's building, huh? It's quite a thing. Yeah, like you go to Boston as the youngest GM in baseball at age 28, break that curse and win a World Series. Things go south there. You get swooped away by the Cubs, execute maybe the most perfect five-year rebuild plan in the history of professional sports. Then things go bad there. You leave, relax, fix baseball with the commissioner, <laughs> with the commissioner's office, helping to implement the new rules. And now you own the team in part and you advise the team that you grew up a fan of like three miles away. So do you think as he goes in there to Boston, he has like a Theo Epstein's list kind of thing of like the stuff that he wants to do for the Red Sox or just <laughs> no, just like, I, a, I like, know what he's doing. Like, like he has like he walks in there. He's got a notebook for his interviews he's like, hey, this is Theo Epstein's list of stuff that I want to do for the organization. Proud of yourself. <laughs> you proud of yourself for your Epstein's list joke. What do you? Theo Epstein's list of things that he wants for the Boston Red Sox. Is Jimmy Kimmel on there? Whoa. What? You can't say that. On Theo's list? You can't be talking about that. All right. Wow. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't (laughs) (laughs) I heard uh, Mully and uh, Haw. This morning, um, talking about this story as the news broke, and David was like, he'll have a statue. He'll have a statue someday out there in front of Wrigley. Yeah. And, and Dustin came out and said, oh, I don't think there's any way. I don't think there's any <laughs> way at all that there'll ever be a statue. David, there's no, no, no shot. No shot that there'll be a statue of Theo out there. And I, I don't think there'll be a statue of Theo out, out there either. I don't either. I think that... He would think that that's ridiculous, which he told us in that interview. I don't think he has any interest in a statue. Uh, I don't think that they have much interest in giving him a statue, frankly. I don't think that there's bad blood there, but I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, he did his time here and it was mutually beneficial to everyone. But Theo Epstein obviously has close ties to Jed, Mm-hmm. and has a good relationship with the organization and a great relationship with Jed. So you're saying Jed gets a statue? No, I don't think Jed gets a statue. I don't think I th- Does anybody get a statue from the 2016 Cubs World Series winning team? The, 
Go ahead, Tanny. No, I think there should be a statue for the 2016 Cubs. And who should be represented on that? The fans. <laughs> Best fans in baseball. Tanny, you know what I was thinking? They probably need to do some, like, hybrid weird-ass memorial thing with bits and pieces of players and plays like the White Sox thing in front of yeah. gate three yep. and a half. You can't have Juan Uribe at the top of that monument or statue. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Off limits. He should be at the top of every statue. What What was the biggest theme after 2016? Like people saying, man, I wish my deceased father and mother were here for this to see this. Yes. All right, here's your opportunity. I want you to bring all of your urns of your deceased parents <laughs> to X location. We're putting them into the statue. You know, the thing is. Theo statue built of dead relatives. <laughs> Bunch the, of <laughs> oh, God, just a pile of Dug through blood and bones. Oh, God. The streets of Manhattan. No, something that represents the brick wall on the side of Waveland where everybody had scrawled the names of their dead loved ones, and that was up for much of that fall and winter. So maybe like a portion of that wall somehow. A huge wall right on Waveland or Sheffield. It's like very tall, very right. high. And yeah. the Cardinals are going to build it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that blocks all the rooftop That's owners. perfect. The Cardinals. The Cardinals are going to build it. they got to pay for it. It's be a beautiful wall. Uh-huh. It's a 20-foot wall. Don't worry about 21-foot ladders. Yeah. It's a 20-foot wall. You get that chalk was up there for a long time. I was living just a few blocks north of there. I remember late January going over there. There with my power washer and knocking all that stuff off for the Cubs. <laughs> I, I think it would be very tough. Such it's a Friday, such brother. A like, <laughs> yeah, bring your deads here. Let's build a Theo statue from your uh-huh. dead dad. Uh, KB throwing the ball on one side of the wailing wall that they're going to put up out there, and Anthony and Rizzo, Rizzo catch catching it. it on the other side. That's the iconic moment. Yeah, you know, like. They're all, they only have statues of People. individuals right now, Correct. right? And there's... Should be Michael Brantley. Thank you for not playing in this World Series. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't. Oh God. A statue of Hayward giving the speech. <laughs> you know? a statue of Joe Madden a sitting in an statue. office, nowhere near any of them. Oh God. <laughs> Whoa, Tanny. You can't. You can't be talking about yeah, that. Sure, you can. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, yeah, so Joe doesn't get one. Theo doesn't get one. That's what I'm saying. And, and there's no player that is is individually iconic enough, and it wouldn't represent the whole thing anyway. But maybe you don't need it. But I mean, that doesn't mean that Chris Bryant can't get a statue, or that Lester couldn't get a statue if they decided to do that. But I agree. I can see Lester getting a statue eventually. I see. I I think team team accomplishment that's unveiled in like. 2036, especially if they haven't won another World Series between now and then. 20th anniversary, every player on the team will be retired. Some sort of, Some per- sort of team team, team thing that beyond the... But, I mean, if, but Bryant should probably have his number retired. Uh, yeah, maybe. You know, Br- Bryant... He'll get into the Cubs Hall of Fame before Sammy Sosa. What an outrage that is. <laughs> How about this? A statue of David Ross with another statue of Craig Council right behind it, approaching, getting closer. Is that in bad taste? <laughs> Not compared to the last 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so, no, we're fine. What? Uh, what? That offended you? 
What did you say about David Ross? <laughs> Sean in Charlotte what says. Hell, you no, say? No, no, don't read that one. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> no, no, don't read, don't, I really do want to read that one. Don't read that one. I really I'll read it. Hold on. No, no, don't read that just one. Read it Grody with the ring. With the world Grody series with ring. The ring. Yeah, on his middle finger <laughs> towards <laughs> me. Uh, how about this texture said, didn't Chris Bryant retire already? <laughs> now that's just sad. That's mean. All right, so. I, I mentioned to you I wanted to talk about the Corbin Burns trade because oh, yeah, yeah, no, seriously, yeah. B- because it weakens the Brewers, obviously, <laughs> yeah. um, although they got a lot. This kid, Joey Ortiz, is going to step right in and play. The pitcher that they got is has been a reliever, but is probably going to go right into the rotation, and they're good at trades. But the, Willie Adamas is probably next. The Brewers are getting worse. Um, and it obviously affects the White Sox greatly because it's another possible Dylan Cease suitor crossed off the list and, and you see how much the Orioles had to give up to get Burns you got to give up way more than that to get an extra year of Dylan Cease and that's what Chris Getz is asking for like crazy he's asking him for a lot and I don't think he's gonna get it man I don't think he's gonna get it which means you're gonna bring back a pitcher that knows he wants you want to trade him and you're going to risk his injury for the first few months of the year and then see if you can get a deal at the deadline it's it's risky stuff that Chris Getz is doing if he really does want to trade that guy i think he well i think he really wants to trade him i think that has been pretty clearly telegraphed and not disputed from either side dylan cease also believes that that's what i'm saying from either side yeah right like if dylan cease came out and said i guess i found out that they want to trade me and chris Getz hasn't walked that back publicly Mm. they want to trade him so they want to trade him which is why i think they will you think they'll they'll find a happy medium before opening day yes and make that deal because of exactly what you said it's a huge injury risk. Every time that guy goes out to start. They might not beat the Corbin Burns deal. They might be one less suitor. They, but, but there should be more suitors for Dylan Cease before the season than midseason. Because midseason, you, you get less of Dylan Cease, and, more, and some teams will have fallen out of the race. Mm-hmm. So you should have more suitors now than then. Obviously, someone could become desperate, a contender, uh, you know, could have an injury. So, so someone like that, of yeah. course, that doesn't right now think they need him, could become a team that needs him. I understand how that works, but in general, more teams are bidding now than then. It's a huge injury risk. They've telegraphed it. I think it will happen. I I, I think you're probably right. We'll see. It's an interesting thing. And what, it'd, be, it'd be pretty awkward if it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one broader point about the Corbin Burns trade. I'm so glad to see the Orioles going for it and getting a top of the rotation starting pitcher this is their moment frankly last year was their moment and they didn't do it before the season and for what was a breakout possibility they didn't do it at the deadline and as they were losing in the playoffs there was a big part of me that was like you know what screw you guys this is your moment and as a franchise you should have gone out and gotten a great starter they got jack jack flaherty instead so good for them for going for it with new ownership and at least right now saying yeah all the, our prospects are blocked. we got a damn good team. Go for it. And overall, for the good of the game, it's what a fan base needs to believe you're going to do at the end of a rebuild, man. Like, you got there. The Reds should be going for it, and they're doing some stuff, and they should go for it more at the deadline if they're closer. Like, this is your time, and you can't guarantee longevity because you're not the Rays yet. Maybe eventually someday you will. But for right now, it's healthy for the sport that the Orioles are pushing in some chips to get an ace in Corbin Burns. I am glad he's out of the division. 
There you go. You know, for for the Cubs state. By the way, a couple people asked, March 17th, hit and run returns. March 17th okay. on that Sunday will be the first hit and run. All right. If one wear green. That's right. What a what a time to be alive. Danny's going to be the first guest. I would love to. Bump I'm going to be nearly blackout drunk on that Sunday. Do you want me to? I'll be downtown. Do you want me to come in? Uh, <laughs> Ruben will come down and get me. No, hit and run is what I do to not work with you guys. Don't you get it? Oh, that's so weird because you needed me last year when we were in Pittsburgh and you needed a report from PNC. That's, you didn't. You, you did that to not work with us? You were great, by the way. That was a great guest hit. Good, good point. Walk it back there, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'll walk it back again tomorrow. I'll walk back the walk back. So walk tomorrow. it forward tomorrow and then back next week. It's very confusing. That's how that works. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Been a long four hours. Afternoons on the score. Here's some advice. This is a long, this is a long time running bit. Okay, it, it, take your family out, take your wife out, take your girlfriend out, and tell them. Yep, yeah, listen. The Pro Bowl's on this weekend, but listen, we've been tied up all weekend since July, as David pointed out. Okay, so I'm going to pass. we got the Super Bowl next weekend, so all the focus is going to be on the Super Bowl. So let, let, let's go out. Let, let's go out, you and I. Let's take the kids out, whatever it is, whatever you should, you know. And guess what? They'll think, wow, that was great. What a moment. And you don't really want to watch the Pro Bowl anyway. <laughs> what a catch. Just playing on the tropes that the significant other would have no idea Amen. about the insignificance of the Pro Bowl. All right, legit. That's great stuff. That's, that's wonderful advice. He's the. Was that the pre-show, Tanny, or was that within the Mullion Haw bracket? I believe that was the extra point. No, yeah, that oh, was yeah, yeah. In, that was in Mullion uh, Haw yeah, proper. I saw because the ex, the extra point was, um, what are you going to do with this weekend? You know, there's not a lot of good oh, sports stuff. No, because it wasn't. Titillating. Not like, I heard Hawes say, you know, watching the Blackhawks without Connor Bedard is a tough ask. Oh, David. <laughs> David, watching the Blackhawks with Connor Bedard is a tough ask, dude. But seriously, that's legit great advice um, from, from, uh, from Dustin. It, it's like every once in a while, I've been able to get away with my wife not realizing the Bears were on a bye. Anybody ever successfully pull that one Same off? Same thing with mine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I was able to tell my wife that Shane said the Bears run about. Yeah, so like you're just like, oh, yeah, no, I'll watch it later. It's okay. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up on it. You know? That's super. Yeah, that's good of you. It's manipulative. It, awful. it really is. Horrendous. It really is. Deceitful. It is. She yeah. always knows that they're playing a night game, though, because I'm in a horrendous mood all day long. <laughs> <laughs> it's an island game. I have to work tonight. <laughs> Sucks. So much audio. Yeah. Wow, that was great. What a moment. What a moment. What a great moment. <laughs> what a moment. What a moment. So, all right. So, let's speculate nice. what Dustin and his wife do with a free weekend. Where do you think they go? I think I think Tanny was on it. I think it's just a nonstop saxophone <laughs> festival. It's just a romantic. Like George Michael and otherwise. Just a lot going on. You like, got to date your wife. You know what I mean? You yeah, just gotta, you do. You got to treat, treat her like it's your first date all the time. If like, you like don't. Jameson's Char House. <laughs> Babe, let's go get a medium well steak. I don't know, You deserve man. it. What, I like, How you, about Jared Payton eating well done steak? Yeah, no, he got a text from me right after the good. hit. All right, good. Good. <laughs> like, I, I said, hey, if I can get Wani to have a medium rare Wagyu from Boulevard, yes. we can get you in one of your own restaurants, by the way, <laughs> to have a medium. Like, like, trust your that restaurant, is, that brother. That is amazing. In St. Charles. Uh -huh. and it, 
Let's get you a medium. Even if you don't want your restaurant, come in studio one day. I'll make you a medium rare steak. It's not blood. I, I, it's I right. assume, protein. I would assume that his restaurant functions exactly like the White House kitchen that he uh, visited with his father and George H.W. He just walks in. He's like, I want a hot dog and pancakes. <laughs> Whether it's on the menu or not, they get it done. Doesn't seem like his palate's evolved that much since then. <laughs> That's a good point. See who he's talking to today? Jarrett? Yeah. Yeah, Taylor Swift again? Ric Flair. Ric Flair, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That guy. He's got an interesting life. I said Ric Flair, Shane. Isn't that Ric Flair? Yep. Uh, no, I thought you said who. No, no, that was Ronnie Woo Woo. It's one of his things. Oh, no. <laughs> they're, they're related. You're a big Ronnie Woo Woo don't, guy. Don't get they're me started. We know that. They're related. Don't get I do me believe. started. Stop asking for, people, for people's money, Ronnie. All right, so anyway, to just not to steal the extra point, but what are you guys going to do with your weekend without without football? Wow. That ah, was great. Thank you. What a moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a keeper. What a moment is a keeper. <laughs> like a slight hesitation. What a, a moment. What a moment. Wow, that was great. What a moment. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Oh, I love that man so much. I'm going to watch the Pro Bowl flag football competition because it's just damn good TV. I'm serious. I thought it was really good, fun TV last year. So I'm going to watch that on Sunday afternoon. Enjoy. Thanks, buddy. I will be. <laughs> I'm just so right. It's not fun. It's, it's, this is not fun. It was, Matt, and it will be again. I'm going bowling tonight for the first time in years. Oh, wow. With your kids or like with friends? With friends. Okay, wow. That's that good. was great. That'll be what fun. A moment. Yeah. That's the thing. I was telling him, it's such a great social structure. I went bowling a couple weeks ago. Hey, throw the ball. Do your yeah. frame. And then go back and sit down, hang out, have a sip, talk to people. Oh, it's my turn again. Like, it's a brilliant yep. social structure. So, fun. two things about being bowl, going bowling. Watch out for the one guy there that might have a gun if you don't do the scoring right. Okay. And number two, I went bowling with friends for my 29th birthday and then got dumped. So I hope okay. that, like, at the bowling alley. So I hope that <laughs> your – I hope Steph doesn't do that to you tonight. Like, I hope you have a good bowling round. Yeah, no, that would be a – It'd be a big twist. Yeah. If at the end of bowling. Let's hope not. <laughs> the relationship was over. <laughs> it just it, – it happened to me, so I, I don't want to yeah. see it happen to you. Sure. What you, I'm not – Good at bowling, and I haven't been no bowling in a long time. Nobody's nobody's good at bowling, Dan. Did you break a hundred? Yeah, broke a hundred. Yeah, all right. One twenty. I'm better than that. Yeah, I, I got up to like one fifty six. I think was my best game. It's pretty good. If you're not breaking like one twenty, don't show up here on Monday. Hmm. Okay. Who do you think you are? I am. Best bowler in my family, Bubby, an absolute killer. Even with the limited eyesight. Muscle memory still taking over for Bubby. Just show her where the lane is. Yeah, just point her in the, right, her direction. In the right direction. Serious. Be it's inc- amazing. Incredible. Jared Payton is away. currently calling me. Should I just put her on speakerphone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, put it on. Jarrett, what's up? <laughs> Have them make you a steak, Jarrett. Freaked out. She was like, they're talking about you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're talking about you. We we're going to get you a good medium rare steak. I'm cool with, hey, listen, Shane, whatever you make, I will eat it, man. I'm good. You are you are a master, so I appreciate right. it. You guys right. are the best. Have a good weekend. We love you. Thank you, Jared. Right. Thanks, Jared. We'll get Tanny working on that open for next week. Hey, um, on Monday, a <laughs> couple of cool guests on Monday. Sherman Dilla Thomas yes. is coming in to talk about White Sox Stadium issues and thoughts on the south side. It's now be, maybe Bear Stadium. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's going to be in the studio. It's going to be great. And Roy Wood Jr., the stand-up comic, former um, correspondent on The Daily Show, He's going to join us at 425, talk about comedy and the Super Bowl and more. And he's got a show in Chicago uh, June 22nd yes, sir. for Roy Wood Jr. Thank you to Conor O'Donnell, Kevin Lapka, Twitch chat video stream. Thank you to Colin Cowherd and Dan Wiederer, who are our guests today. Shane Reardon, our executive producer. Thank you, sir.
Chris Tannehill making us sound better than we are each and every day. For Matt Spiegel, I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkinson Spiegel. This is the score. Wow, that was great. What a moment. Shut up, Happy. Don't feel bad about me. I got my hand back, see? We've only just begun to White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.